Hello everybody, super excited for this week's episode of Dreadful Talk, um, episode 15, super proud of that milestone, um, thanks for everybody that's, you know, tuned in along the way, um, make sure to go um, subscribe on YouTube, and I'm about to get this week's guest joined on, um, let's, let's get him on and then I'll introduce him. Hey, what's hey, up, bro? What's hey, up, um, man? Yeah, you mind turning that phone sideways, brother? Yeah, bro. Let's do it. Here we go. How's oh, that? Other, other way. My bad. Other way. There we go. There we go. There we go, my nice. guy. We're working. So, yeah. Yeah, for everybody watching, this is my guest, Patrick Murray, and um, he is host of his own podcast, Today in the NBA. I'm a big fan of that. You can find it on Spotify. Go on, you know, follow that. It's come with that hot NBA content and, um, you know, spoiler alert, that's what we're going to be discussing today, man. I love me some hoops. I hardly ever get to talk about hoops on the podcast, and this is the perfect man to talk hoops with, um, my guy Patrick Murray. What's up, brother? Hey, man. It's such a pleasure to be on with you, man. Thank you so much for bringing me in. Really excited to talk about some basketball, and the day the day is perfect for it, man. We got two huge games tonight. Things are starting yeah. to wrap up and really take shape for these last couple series. Couldn't have picked know, a better day man. to get this going, man. Denver's just the seven game, the seven game goons. Just all their series go to seven games. I think it's like that's a real stat. Every every series that Jamal and uh, Jokic have been in have gone to game seven. I believe is a real stat. It's fucking nuts. I, I think you're right, bro. I think I think I saw uh, Jokic's post game after game six, and he she was like, "Yeah, these last two, uh, you've been down three one in these past couple series going to game seven. He's like, actually, it's the past four because the last two in last year's playoffs were the same way. So." Young yeah. Bucks getting that experience early on these tough games. Yeah, for real, though. I mean, you really kind of want that, right? Because, I mean, it's, they're getting, like, years and years worth of playoff games of experience in, in a couple of years. You know, they're kind of, you know, getting that that speed course. Um, but, yeah, yeah for sure. Fire. Yeah, definitely, man. So, where are you at nowadays? You in uh, OKC? You in Norman? Uh, yeah, so I'm staying in Oklahoma City. I uh, moved up here about two years ago, uh, working a job at a restaurant up here, and uh, just taking that in stride. Obviously, quarantine was a setback for everybody, but I yeah, uh, just right. got started back on that and just working on this podcast. Got it started about uh, about five weeks ago now, Hell and just yeah, trying man. to keep up with that and get those recorded as much as I can. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun, and I'm really enjoying it as well, man. Um, I'm hooked. Yeah, me too. I'm hooked. And I'm hooked on your show, man. I listen. Like, I legit listen. Like, uh, and I'm a big fan. Yeah, today in the NBA, everybody, check it out on Spotify. There's a, other ways to get it. I listen on Spotify. I'm a big Spotify guy. Yeah, so. you can find it on Apple Music and SoundCloud as well. If you're not doing the subscribe thing, you can get on SoundCloud, find it. I try to make sure it's as accessible as possible. I know you're doing the YouTube thing. I'm going to try to get there soon, man. I'm trying to get this video portion created as well eventually. Yeah, man, I, YouTube's a blessing and a curse, man. There's a few things that have been a pain in the ass. Um, I just, honestly, like, that's how I consume most of my podcasts is on YouTube. So it was just like the natural move for me because, like, yeah. that's how I watch them. So I'm like, I'm sure there's other people out there watching them too. But uh, but I'm actually thinking about making, like, an audio version, like going back and ripping the audio because I know that those, like, um, a lot of those audio platforms are, are booming. Um 
So, yeah. yeah, man, I think it's just about being as many places as possible for sure. Yep, spreading your wings, trying to get out there and get those roots established. Yeah, definitely, man. It seems like a lot of the homies have moved up to OKC. That's dope. That, I feel like I probably would have if I would have stayed. I feel like, you know, Norman, you can only, you know, drive to the same street so many times, you know. Oh, man, you know it. It's it's crazy every once in a while. So I graduated from OU in May. And so since then, I haven't been spending much time there. But when I do go down there, it's kind of a strange feeling, man. It's just weird going back into your hometown. And <clears throat> there's been some stuff going on uh that have been just strange stuff in norman just out you know i've heard i've heard yeah man out of pocket stuff yeah man it's wild it's wild yeah it doesn't really seem to be the place that we grew up in even though we're not even that old like you always hear like old folks saying that but here we are (laughs) saying that like i feel like it's the same place we grew up in i feel like i haven't been back since i left bro i really literally not once and like i'm not like necessarily like proud of that it's mainly been like a money thing but like like I I I left in August of 2016 and haven't been back. So. Wow. Yeah, been man. I I know it's totally different, man. But uh, I I know I will one of these days. Like I I've been saying that for four years now. But like <laughs> I I know it's gonna happen. It's gonna be dope when it happens too. So but uh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, for sure, man. But yeah, definitely good to see you. Good to you know, definitely good to see you doing your thing with your podcast. I'm Thanks, a big man. fan, and uh, I was I listening to your podcast, and and I know it, by listening to it, you know, you're a big fan of what's going on in the bubble and just the whole the quality of basketball. And like you were saying that it's essentially the best basketball we've ever gotten, or right? Yeah, that's I agree, man. It's you know, you take so many components for granted with what basketball or sports has been prior to this. And I think that there are some small subtleties about the bubble that have been really cool. I think a lot of the concerns were like, what's it going to be like without the fans right on top of you and home court advantages and things like that. But from a fan's perspective at home, you know, it doesn't feel like there's a lack of sound, you know, you get the piped in noise and that's kind of cool. But I think also it's just quiet enough where you can still get a little bit more personal interaction with the players and the coaches and the referees, which is cool. And then the spacing is another thing. So the spacing around the court, you have a little bit more space to work with under the basket. So as guys drive to the hoop, they don't have to necessarily pump the brakes as they're, you know, coming back off. the cameraman and stuff like that. Exactly. You know what? That's one point I'll say I haven't even considered that. And that makes a lot of damn sense. That's, uh, yeah, no, very good point. Yeah, because those cameramen take up a few, you know, three, four feet of of space in the length. In the little landing zone. Yeah. That's a great point for sure. And same for out of bounds too. You know, when you're doing inbounds passes and stuff like that, you saw it in the, what was that, game five, I think? Game five or six. Yeah, with Kyle Lowry over Taco. I mean, I don't know if that's something you could do because he kind of gets a little bit of extra of a wind-up to be able to get that ball up over where he may not have had that right up on the sidelines typically. So just stuff like that and just the focus also too, guys just being able to, you know, really just focus on one thing in basketball. They're not traveling and anything like that. So it's made it a great product. Yeah, man. And uh, so like, you know, me, you know, I got the Beefy Boys podcast where we cover MMA. It's like the UFC was really kind of the first ones to put on stuff during COVID. Yeah, Fight Island. Yeah, Fight Island. And and even before that at Vegas at the Apex. And so they – you know, that's where I really got the first taste of sports without fans and how how it impacts. And, and it does impact, especially like, you know, in MMA. Uh, but uh, so that's where I kind of got my, my first intro to it. And then uh, and then I believe that I, did baseball start up before basketball, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
But see, I think baseball missed the, they freaking missed it. Like the ma- baseball with the cardboard cutouts and like the extra piped in crowd noise and yeah. it's weird, man. It's like extra like I feel like a, it's like a Call of Duty type of like I don't even know. That's like dystopian weird shit, but uh I I feel like basketball's got it right. Like they I feel like they they they've done a good job of it for sure. I think so too, man. No doubt. Yeah, definitely, man. Um so we're both Thunder fans. We'll get that, uh, you know, just yes, off sir. the rip, you know, just, you know, um, a little disclaimer there. We're, we're some OKC <laughs> boys. Um, but so, you know, I want to start off talking about the Thunder season. Um, one of the more interesting Thunder seasons I like, I can remember, and that's saying something, because even though yeah. they have a short history, it's been freaking action-packed, jam-packed, full of memories and, and special teams. And I feel like this team – is right up there with them for probably different reasons. But, man, what a season. It's, it was a great season, man. And you take a lot into account with that. It felt like, you know, up until probably the Rocket Series, that this was a team that just played a totally different style of basketball. I think you have to give a ton of credit to Chris Paul coming yeah. in, buying into everything. You know, before the season, so many people wanted to pretty much write off Oklahoma City. That's kind of been beaten to death. But really – you know, a lot of things were about Chris Paul. I think a lot of people didn't expect him to be here with the trade until the trade deadline. You know, yeah. is he going to be able to commit? He had a kind of a sour reputation coming off his time in Houston. So that yeah, was I... really cool to see. Um, and then Billy Donovan was great, you know, throughout most of the year. Uh, I, for me, as we got into the playoffs, that's a little bit different. But the regular season in general, just the way this roster played together, that three-headed yeah. monster with the point guards was awesome. Uh, a little disappointed Schroeder didn't win sixth man of the year, but he was great this season as well. Yeah, Montrez Harrell, like, I, honestly, I could have named, like, three other guys I would have rather seen win it besides Montrez. And I'm not hating on Montrez, but it, it, it doesn't help. It's like hindsight 2020, but he's getting really exposed in this Nuggets series, and it's just, yes. like, putting the exclamation mark on, like, the doubts I already had on his sixth man of the year trophy. Um like the little moment, you know, with Lou handing the trophy, I was cute and everything. But I just, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think, yeah, he deserved it. But uh, yeah, I wanted to touch on that, man. The three guards. Um, I don't think an NBA team, including the Rockets, have utilized a three guard lineup better than the Thunder did this year. I had so many question marks. Like I'll be real, man. I, I was so out on this Thunder team. Like this roster yeah. construction seemed like you auto-drafted on a snake draft on 2K or something. <laughs> like It seemed like mismatched pieces. It seemed like too much of one thing, not enough of another. Um, but, I mean, there's a, like, a, like a myriad of reasons why, you know, everything kind of shaped into form. And it was like kind of a perfect storm, the development of the two unexpected rookies that kind of had nobody had expectations out of. Um, the The three-guard lineup actually kind of, this was the year of the small ball more than ever. So yeah. like, if there oh, yeah. was ever a year, if there was ever a year that, you know, let that rip with three guards, it was probably this year. Um, and and, and uh, so I think that was kind of a luck stroke of coincidence, you know, that kind of worked to our favor as well. Um, I, I thought that Chris Paul was just going to be kind of checked out, just cashing checks like, I'll be real, which I guess that's my bad because Chris Paul's, you know, the the definition of a professional, and I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't have really probably cast him in that light. But like, I don't know, man. I had so many doubts coming into the season, and then just like one by one by one by one, those little questions just were answered, or those, you know, those boxes were checked, 
and it just shaped into form real nice, like in a unique way. Yeah, I think you're so right. You're spot on. I think a lot of that too this season, and maybe this is why we felt this way. It's hard to say, but for so many years, probably since the second season of Oklahoma City or the year that we lost to the Lakers in the first round where we took them, I think, to six or seven, the expectations have been so high with KD and Russ and everything that transpired until, you know, Russ was by himself and then with PG and Carmelo Anthony. And and I think that Oklahoma sports fan mentality rolls over from OU. I really think so. Like, (laughs) because Oklahoma's fan base is new to basketball, like whether we like to admit it or not. Like, I didn't really watch basketball until we got the Thunder. And I know a lot of people can say that, too. But, like, they – so what I'm saying is, like, yeah, like, Oklahoma's fan base is, like, primarily college football. And then, you know, in the wintertime, they come over to basketball. And and so just that expectation of championship or bust that is totally kind of unrealistic in professional sports. I feel like Oklahoma Thunder fans – we really do kind of like have that kind of college sports fan mentality, <laughs> that permanent dynasty mentality. You're so right, man. And what's crazy is I think a lot of other uh, programs or excuse me, franchises do, but in all of sports, you could probably count on maybe one hand plus one or two fingers like that uh, for decades have been consistent contenders. So that's a luxury. A lot of teams and franchises aren't afforded in any sport, but Oklahoma city, you know, to kind of cap off what we're talking about with this is they, like I said, their expectations this season were so low. Yeah. Um, but that that's okay for me. And the way they exceeded them, they certainly did. I think it's fair to say they overachieved um, yeah. to a degree. Um, you know, I definitely think this team had some talent on it, but definitely some deficiencies as well. I think, like you said, they, they maximized that three guard lineup that a lot of teams weren't able to do. And when you really take into account with each of those guys, you know, none of them are just like lights out shooters. Chris Paul, easily the best of the three. But SGA still kind of becoming himself as a player. He's Schroeder. a unique player. He's a weird player. He's so weird. Like, I, I cannot – literally one of my questions I have for you was, like, an SGA comp because I legitimately can't think of one. He's so weird. I couldn't think of one either. I When you sent me that, I was like, golly, man, this is such a tough one to think about. I had to do a little bit of research, but, like, his body type, number one, a 6'6", probably sub-100 or 200-pound guy – that's a primary ball handler in the league is very atypical. So yeah, like, yeah, but you, you look know, at his you know game kind of comes to mind is uh, just off top. And I'm not like, this may sound like a diss, but it's not Sean Livingston. He kind of reminds me yeah. of like a younger, you know, less injured Sean Livingston, just the body type. Yes. I, don't know. I, I like that too. Sean was a little taller. And so he had a little bit more like at the rim ability. But I think SGA replaces that with a little bit more of his shooting and his range. But yeah, when they yeah, when they their handle and the way they kind of operate through an offense, I think especially early Sean before he blew his knee out, definitely yeah. some the, similarities. The patience, the patience, yes. the patience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, I feel like uh, Chris Paul took SGA to like floater school because like I feel like <laughs> like SGA's floater, his runners and his floaters just improved mm-hmm. so much this year. And maybe I'm just, you know, giving credit to Chris Paul instead of SGA. But I don't know, man. Like, because Chris Paul's always mastered that floater. And I feel like he maybe taught him a little, you know, veteran secret or two because his floaters were money this year. Totally agree. And, you know, again, as we kind of continue this narrative, is Chris Paul, so much credit has to be given to him uh, for the way that this roster moving forward, not even just this season, but, you know, it's looking like Chris Paul is going to probably move on from Oklahoma City. He'll be yeah. able to probably dictate a lot of the way that trade goes out, but Oklahoma City will have the final say and everything. But 
the the impact that he that will be lasting at least on Shea Gilgis Alexander and a couple of the other these rookies and then Schroeder, I think it's going to be a long term thing, and I think that that they'll look back on that and you'll that'll be a moment for them where they'll be grateful for that. Similar to ways that guys in the previous or in the past have been, and I and a thing that comes to my mind is like a uh, Steve Steve Nash and Goran Dragic. So when he was in oh, Phoenix. Yeah. He was his backup, and it was a little bit different style of play nowadays. Nowadays, they'd probably play together, and Steve would probably be averaging way more threes. And uh, Story for another time, but the way that those guys, Drogic sat behind him and learned and established his game similar to the way Steve played, that's how I kind of see this SGA and Chris Paul situation working out. And I think someday we'll be saying, you know, wow, look at Gildas Alexander. I bet that year or maybe even a few more with Chris Paul really played a role in that. Yeah, no, I really like that. I like that comparison. I think that's spot on. Yeah, because, like, I think it has a lasting effect. Just the – um, it's it's kind of, you know, cliche, but, like, teaching them how to win, how to close, like, those, you know. but those, How to those be a pro. Things. Yeah. Those are real things that, like, young guys can't learn that from other young guys. Like, that, it, it doesn't work. I think that's why the, the Phoenixes and Sacramentos of the world just stay in this – perpetual state of rebuilding because it's like you have the blind leading the blind you know what i mean yeah like, you you got guys the oldest veteran on the team has been in the league four or five years never been in a playoff game and yet and you're wondering why the the, the culture isn't isn't progressing you know what i mean it's, it's so so yeah I, I i totally agree with that um do you know schroeder's contract situation is he with the thunder like multiple years moving forward so i think the way it is i think he's got this year and then one more year um so he'll play one. He's got one more full season on his contract. Uh, I think it's around seventeen million. Um, let me look here. I can pull this up actually. But I think he's got a, I think one more year. He's not a free agent yet, but he is probably eligible for a re or a uh, a, a, sign, a resign or whatever an extension. Yeah. He, in my opinion, is the top priority outside of Chris Paul. If, but I don't, like I said, Chris Paul doesn't look like he wants to stay, so that's a little bit different. So if, if guys that are definitely tangible options for your team, I think Schroeder needs to be a, an absolute priority in terms of this yeah, offseason. Because, man, he's performed, like, so well. Like, like, and I'll be real. Like, I always – I've spent, like, the past two or three years, however long he's been there, trying to, like, poke a hole in his game or find reasons why I didn't like that contract. And he just forced me. You know what happened is he turned me into a fan. It's like, yeah. I'll be real, like, I didn't want to like that contract. I didn't think he was going to fit. Like I, said, I didn't think the three guard thing was going to work. But every fucking t- where I turn and try to naysay him, he just like, shut up, <laughs> shut the fuck up. I can prove you wrong. Can, yeah. No, seriously. And I, re- I love when athletes do that to me. They like leave me no choice but to be a fan. I love yeah. that shit. That's a uh, great and, point, man. Yeah, yeah. And he just, he checks so many boxes for sure. So yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure of his um contract situation moving forward. I think even without Chris Paul, him and uh, SGA together moving forward as a backcourt is really nice. You yeah. always have one ball handler on the game. You, you know what I mean? SGA I think is gonna develop to be able to guard more wing players with his length. And so I think that's a really nice option defensively. And um, my next question for you is, if you had to put money on it, you think Basley develops into an all-star, or is he just like a good bench scorer? Or like, you know what I mean? What do you think his ceiling and floor is on Basley? Yeah. So I – if I had to put money on it, I think he becomes a – I think his ceiling is like a Draymond Green. 
uh, in my opinion. He doesn't necessarily play like him in terms of his style. I think he's a better athlete than Draymond. But I think for what Oklahoma City wants to establish, I think he will take – it looks like that Danilo Gallinari is going to move on yeah, yeah. Uh, as a free agent. So I think he'll be a starter. Um, and I, what you saw in the playoffs, you saw what he has is something – well, I don't think anybody on Oklahoma City's roster has this. He has an elite level or an elite ability to rebound on both sides of the ball. And that was something that Oklahoma City drastically needed in the Rocket series. And I think Billy Donovan was severely outcoached by Mike D'Antoni. And one of the things that I thought we should have done a ton more was play Baisley over Gallinari. Um, he was such a better fit. Gallinari was cold a lot of the series. Um, so to answer your question, I think he could be an all-star. I think that probably an all-star is his cap. Uh, you know, maybe yeah, we, not superstar, but just like make yeah. an all-star game or two as an alternate. Somebody, some wing, you know, pulls a <laughs> yeah. hammy. You know what I mean? He gets yeah. a phone call. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think so too. I think that's realistic. No, I'm not. I'm not saying he's a bust if he doesn't achieve that. I mean, I think you know he kind of reminds me of like I don't know, maybe like Kyle Kuzma with a bigger set of balls. Like I don't yeah. know, like like a not soft Kuzma. Like I don't know, like a yeah. not Hollywood Kuzma. Like I don't know. I think uh, I think getting drafted to LA was the worst thing that ever happened to Kuzma. Just like Oof, just the hype, yeah. the lights, all that. He he drank his own Kool Aid for sure. But like yes. I said, Basley is the body type and his ability to hit the outside shot and his ability to kind of get in where he fits in. It kind of reminds me of like a young pre-ego Kuzma. Um, you know what I mean? And ho hopefully, you know, like the Oklahoma City kind of environment, you know, can't get much different, like, from Hollywood than Oklahoma City. So, you know, hopefully it helps keep him humble. Um, totally. But, yeah, I don't know. He he's really interesting to me um, just because – Actually, you know, I collect sports cards. I had a few Basley rookie cards that, like, I literally didn't think anything of. I was like, oh, second yeah. guy, whatever. But then I was like, oh, let me go ahead and put these in some sleeves. This guy, yeah, and yeah, he, he he turned out to be a hooper for sure. Um, and yeah, man. Um, so I mean, any any more last thoughts you want to just leave with leave us with about like the Thunder moving forward, like the path forward, like what's your GM? You know what I'm saying? What's the path for? You said Gallinari's probably gone. CP3 is probably gone. Some people may see that as a bad thing. I see Chiching cap space. Um, yeah. And we, we still got SGA on that rookie contract. That's so that helps the cap. That Schroeder deal is looking pretty low with nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with guys making fifty a year. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like there's hella cap space. But OKC is a small market team. Let's not kid ourselves. There's not traditionally been a line of free agents to go to places like Oklahoma City. Um, you know what? So what options? Do you, and we have we have draft picks falling out yeah. the ass. I mean, so <laughs> so maybe yeah. more of a trade than a free agent. Like Pat, that way they don't have a choice. You know what I'm saying? They get the. I, I could see a scenario with like that, maybe some yeah. some picks. There's a ton. So, and it's it's crazy. I think, I think right now is this ultimate fork in the road for Sam Presti and the Thunder. You have all the chips, or you know, you have control and all the power in every single situation you're going to walk into. With you have a, it's clear as day that CP3 is wanting to get moved to a higher level contender. Um, that's looking like probably going to get narrowed down to a couple teams in uh, Philadelphia. 
Milwaukee, and I've, heard, I've seen Phoenix as a hot name as well. Those three are probably where if I had to pick between three. He leaves us for Phoenix. He can go for I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but the thing is that's interesting, so like we talked about, is prior to the, prior to the year, Chris Paul's value was as low as it has ever been. Yeah. as we get here now, for full circle through the year, and especially his performance late into the playoffs, that contract is at least you can take it on without feeling like shit. So – Totally. You're, I didn't think about that. People do that, talk about that in baseball all the time. Mm-hmm. They'll play guys just to get their trade value up. But, yep. like, they actually got best of both worlds. They got a great production, and they got his trade value way up, way yep. up. And I, so I think that – and Chris and Sam Presti knows. Uh, I, I hope he knows. I think, you know, he's been fooled or put in situations where his return wasn't maximized. And I know probably the most pot, the most infamous trade of our lifetime or young lifetime is the Harden situation. Yeah. But I think he knows now, like, I have an opportunity where I have to match this salary, and I don't necessarily know if I want to take on some a ton of um, expiring. So what do you get? What does Milwaukee offer you that you like? Do they offer you, you know, Chris Middleton, Wesley Matthews, and DiVincenzo? I mean, can you take something like that on? I doubt they get rid of a Middleton. But, you know, they could give you some guys that wouldn't Literally hurt your mid- roster. Mid- middle, you know who I wouldn't mind getting? And most – some people may scoff at this, but I'll be real. I want to – this will transition to something else. I want to talk about me being out on Steven Adams. I want the fucking Lopez twins, both yeah. of them. I'd take it in a heartbeat. Both of them. I, like, like, Adams, it, is, it breaks my heart, man. I, yeah. It breaks my heart. I, I love Steven Adams. I've been a fan for years, but it's just – to me, it's over with. He couldn't it's exploit over. the Houston matchup. He He's a liability, not an asset. His contract's looking not so hot now. He literally can't give you much without Russ throwing him oops. Like, I just – I'm out on Steven Adams, and it breaks my yeah. heart to say that. But I'm just talking about players coming back from the Bucks. Literally both Lopez's, I wouldn't mind it. I would take it, man. And I, you know, the combination of their minutes would be strong. Lopez is a pretty good defender. He's extended his range quite a bit. He can give you somewhere between 16 and 20 a game at his yeah. peak. Whereas Adams, a good defender. Yeah. Both yeah he, are. I, think, I think, I don't know if it was this year. I think last year he led the league in blocks, um, which, you know, as a guy who doesn't look like some freak athlete, you know, you would think a guy like Giannis probably a little bit more, but Lopez probably going to be doing a little bit more off the ball defense, but Adams, yeah, it sucks, but the number one thing in sports you got to remember is loyalty will kill you. And despite Adams' love in the community and everything, he's kind of galvanized with OKC and kind of the last guard of that prior era. Him and Roberson are the only guys left from the KD Russ time period. So I think if you can, and as kind of a lack of a parallel with CP3, is Adams' worth is as low as it's ever been. Yeah. And so yeah, getting back. Stuck with him. Yeah. So. You never know. Presti's been able to spin things into gold. You know, we got – I don't know if you remember this, but Schroeder is essentially a straight-up trade for Carmelo Anthony. I mean, we traded Melo once he was done here to, to Atlanta and got Schroeder for him, and then they waived him. So, I mean, that's that's a deal I want to take 100 times yeah, out of 100 Yeah, that's time, clutch. So. I forgot that's how we got Schroeder. That's clutch. Yeah. That's really clutch, and, and, and especially that Melo, because we that we weren't getting yeah. skinny Portland Melo, that's for sure. Nah. No, nah, he didn't have that chip on his shoulder yet. He hadn't essentially been benched and cut from the league. So, yeah. And props to Melo for coming back for that with that, man. You no, got to give a guy credit. That was one of my favorite parts about this year, for real, because it's like, you know, I didn't want to see him do bad. It's just he wasn't helping OKC at all. Yeah. Uh, and to get Schroeder back for him, I, I forgot all about that. I'm glad 
I'm glad you brought up that little nugget. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's interesting. So so I don't know. I, I want to hear three names from Patrick Murray that you think could find themselves onto a Thunder roster next year. Then we'll keep it pushing. We'll keep okay. it pushing from the Thunder after that. Okay. Uh, if I had to think about this, I like this. Um, if I was being realistic, I would say Brooke Lopez. Uh, a combination of like Brooke Lopez with Wesley Matthews and maybe an asset or a, or some trades or excuse me, some picks from Milwaukee. Uh, if we're talking about Philadelphia, I think this is a total shot in the dark. Let me get Ben Simmons and Josh Richards or Josh Richardson. I'll say Josh Richardson and maybe one other person from Philly. And then absolutely crazy. If we talk about Phoenix, I'll take, uh, DeAndre Ayton and yeah. the kid from North Carolina, James Johnson, shooter, straight up for Chris Paul. Just hypothetical. Okay. I like all those. I like all those for real. Moving forward, I like all those pieces for different reasons. Now, none of those are like, you know, Giannis home runs, but I think that those type of moves are what the more realistic, more likely to happen on a team yeah. like OKC, you know, in that type of market. And But I, I like it. I like all those options. I think I think that's I, that, that's intriguing going forward, for sure, for sure, man. Yeah, um, I was actually able to watch the Thunder play this year before Corona hit. Um, oh, whenever, really? Yeah, whenever they came to Sacramento. Um, nice. Yeah, it's like a two-hour two drive to Sacramento. Um, okay. Which is crazy because with traffic, it takes like two hours to get to San Francisco anyway, even though it's like way closer. Like, uh, yeah. So like me, me and it's what uh, Kings tickets are way cheaper than Warriors tickets. No so, doubt. Like, no doubt yeah. about that. So and, and the the Kings just built that brand new arena. It's only like one or two years old. It's badass. So me and Nina went up to Kings games like twice this year before uh, Corona. That's dope, man. And we watched the Thunder play. And that's that's whenever I really fell in love with this team. Like, cause you know, I, I didn't, not all their games are on TV out here and shit. And so I hadn't got to watch them a whole bunch, but just from what I'd seen on paper, I didn't really like it. But then <laughs> I walked away that night thinking like, Oh, this is what they're doing with the yep. three guard. It was, it was really dope to see in person. It really was for sure. For sure, man. That's yeah. awesome. You got to see him, man. It feels like so long ago, huh? It does. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, and then also it was a coincidentally like right after Kobe passed too. So like it was like a Kobe memorial night at the stadium and all that. Oh, so dang, I'll, okay. I always remember that for sure, for sure. But yeah, if you ever get a chance to go to a game in Sacramento, cheap tickets, like cheap parking, like because it's a small downtown. It's crazy. Downtown Sacramento reminds me so much of downtown Oklahoma City. Like they're Damn. really similar. And okay. like uh, similar vibes. Uh, they, got, they got the brand new stadium. It's not like a pain in the ass like you go to a game in san francisco bro you're paying 60 dollars for parking and you'll probably come back to your window broken like yeah, like you know <laughs> yeah sacramento's like you know pretty chill like it's not yeah. like it's not even a big deal it's, it's like it's, it reminds me a lot of oklahoma city so yeah man Dope, ever, man. Get a, ever get a chance um so now yeah kind of transition you know i am out here in the bay area now and um i'm forced to listen to a lot of warriors talk and um <laughs> on the radio and I listen to sports radio and just, you know, my, my uncles and shit, just, uh, my dad's a big warrior fan. So, okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm surrounded by me. I'm in warriors territory. So I kind of want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the thick of it. I wanted to kind of transition there next. Um, cause they are a fun thing, Tom team to talk about regardless of all those connections, just because I don't think we've ever seen this, 
They're in kind of a scenario like um, the Spurs were before they drafted Tim Duncan. Like they had just won the championship with David Robinson, right? And yep. then, mm-hmm. but then they had got an injury and ended up with the number one pick. So the the Warriors are just coming off the legendary dynastic run um, with Kevin Durant and Steph and Clay and Draymond, and then, but then KD leaves. Everybody and their dog either gets hurt or whatever, and they're at rock bottom. They end up with the number two pick. So I just kind of wanted to. Um, I'll start with this question. Is this a bleep in the radar? Like, um, and then the dynasty resumes right on schedule with Steph still on the tail end of his prime? Or, or, or I mean, are the best days behind him? Is it, is it, a, is it, is it time to re, reshuffle the deck? You know, do you think the Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and I guess Wiggins, that led Warriors, have like a – Combined with whatever they do with this number two overall pick, how optimistic does that does that do anything for you? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, man, I I think that the Warriors are going to pick up right where they were uh, prior to this. I don't obviously wow. losing KD is a huge loss, and yeah. what he what he supplemented to what they already had to that seventy three and nine team is a big deal, but the core of even just the two, because I think Draymond Green's play has slipped a little bit. He's not quite as athletic as he used to be, but if in a system you see guys all the time in these culture systems that despite as they age, they can still play at a high level. So I'm not going to doubt him too much, but Steph and clay deserve so much credit and are so talented. And that culture that they've established there with Steve Kerr, yeah, I think will carry them a long way. And we've seen, you know, it's it's interesting how the you know the Clippers and Lakers are clearly the talk of the West, despite what may happen tonight with the Nuggets. Um, I still think the Clippers are a better team, but I think that the West is going to be, you know, they'll have a ton of teams, incredibly talented teams next season. But it's, I'm not betting against Curry and and Clay. And with Wiggins, you know, Wiggins right now is essentially that's interesting, right? That's a wild yeah, card. That's a joker, huge right? Huge wild, like, wild card. And to your credit, man, you mentioned something earlier that I think is important. When you come in, when you are a professional and uh, you come into a league and you are automatically right off the bat losing consistently, yeah. like he was in Minnesota. Yeah, that's something that gets into your DNA, man, and it's hard to break away from that. And so now that he's moving to probably the mo- one of the most successful uh, of the past ten years, at least a dynasties in the NBA and a winning culture, I think that could help his game quite a bit. A little bit higher, you know, commitment to to defense, higher commitment to your training, higher commitment to your body. You know, Minnesota is not a place where that's conducive. So that Wiggins as an asset, we may see, excuse me, we may see a situation where they run it. Uh, I think he's going to, I think he is on the roster opening day, but I think you could see a situation um, where they either, they'll either package him with that number two pick and trade him. Number two pick. That's what I'm talking about on sports radio out here. There's no way, there's no way the Golden State Warriors will, will even, they may make that pick and trade it, or, you know, do something like we've seen with that, or they'll just trade the pick straight up uh, and package Wiggins. I think you could see that for them to acquire just a really super talented wing. Uh, The detriment for the Warriors in this draft is that the the draft is not very strong. And so in a perfect world, they'd be drafting somebody like, you know, in previous years where a guy that's sitting at number two overall, like a fucking Jason Tatum is available, but that's not the case this year. You know, you're taking... That's exactly who they need is Jason Tatum. Oh, God. It would be so big. But... You know, or even like a few years ago, like a DeAndre Ayton, a guy that's just a super versatile big that can play within their system. So but, you seem to be high on Ayton. 
I like Aiden. I you really like, like Aiden. Aiden. That, that's cool, yeah. man. I mean, I, I like him, too. I hate how fast we give up on NBA, like, 19-year-olds, like, real yeah. talk. Um, that's good, though. I just – I don't know. I, it's been a while since I've heard positive in, th- things surrounding the name Aiden. And I'm not saying yeah. I disagree with you. I just – the hot thing to do out there is to shit on Aiden. So, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, uh, but no. He was put in a bad spot, I think. You know, you – you deal with kind of some injuries and play one season in college and then you kind of get in trouble with the money thing that can always leave a lingering taste in your mouth for a lot of guys as you enter the league. And, you know, number one picks are so complicated because sometimes it's a necessity thing. Sometimes it's not your fault that you go number one overall shout out to Anthony Bennett, but you know, you go to Phoenix and the expectations are so fucking low and you know, you're coming off injuries and you don't really even start to play halfway through the season. So you just got to be patient. Same with guys like Zion, you know what I mean? Like, this is professional sports, man. <laughs> Things there are intangibles that exist outside of just putting on your shorts and shoes and going to play. So yeah, and, and having played sports, we know that, and like how guys work yeah. in the locker room, and how guys yeah work in the off season and take coaches care of themselves and study film and all that shit. Yeah, man, the motivation levels that that that's very real, man. The people, it's not two K. The games are not played on paper. These are real. Nah. Breathing, you know, individuals, thoughts, feelings, friendships, enemies, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I got asked, this is kind of a little debate topic. As of today, it sounds like you're still pretty high on Steph. Um, would you take Steph over James Harden um, for one season? I'm not talking about moving forward or to build a franchise. I'm around like, like you, you think, you think yeah. Steph's still at that like super uber elite level? I'm taking Steph. I'm taking Steph, and without a doubt, I didn't even have to think twice about it uh, for two reasons. Number one, Steph plays winning basketball. And that does, James Harden, in, individually, like James Harden offensively can do so much, but that doesn't win you games. And I think that's something that you've seen a little bit with Russ as well. Individually, their performances are special, and they can help some of their teammates get involved. But you have to understand that like playing within the game is important as well. And Steph has proven on the biggest stages time and time again, that he can be a championship level player. He was a two-time MVP and more than anything, as much as we want to talk about how James Harden has uh, evolved some of the offensive game, I think Steph Curry out in NBA history transcended the game and that the primary ball handler on your on your team who can be, you know, a borderline double digit assist guy can also pull up from 35, 12 times a game and just fucking just crush about, your soul, man. Think crush about your all the players soul. that Steph birthed, just all oh. the, all the people like just that, like he's son, just, yep. just that, that are pulling up from 30 now on the regular, just the whole generation. Um, no mm-hmm. doubt. I like that, man. I like that too. I, cause I mean, I'm not a big Harden guy, but it's like, I try to not let my like, personal bias come into play too much, but I'm not yeah. the biggest Harden guy, but I'm also out here in the Bay with a bunch of stuff. You're in the thick of it, bro. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, so it's like, you know, I wanted to hear an outsider's opinion on that debate yeah. for sure. Uh, and I don't even hate Harden like necessarily. I still like, I don't really like what the Rockets do. It's hard to watch and it can be frustrating. And clearly it's been proven that like, it's not conducive to winning a championship, but you, I'm not going to ever discredit James Harden as a basketball player. I mean, dude, he averaged, what, 36, 37? I mean, just – and his game is crazy. And But at the same time, I want to watch winning basketball. That's more fun and, and uh, more interesting to me. And team basketball is just really exciting. 
You know what I don't understand is how nobody else has able been able to figure out um, what Steph and Clay do, where they do like a give and go, but instead of running to the basket, they cut like behind a screen to the three point line. It's like I, nobody seems to have figured yeah. that out. That relocation, that like it's like a give and go, but it's not to the hoop. It's nothing complicated. It's nothing extravagant, but like nobody else seems to do it like like, it's crazy like if Harden did more of that or like you know like you know I think Lillard does it a little bit but I not not as effectively as Stephen Clay they've mastered it well off ball movement is how you can win in the NBA and you don't have to be a great player to move off the ball Um, a team that just maximized it that my memory of it completely is the Spurs Spurs could get guys in that fucking system that were nobodies Danny Green Patty Mills all these dudes that were just, you know, castaways. I mean, Danny Green got cut by the fucking Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron didn't even play there. And then wow. he comes to San Antonio and was a borderline finals MVP if it weren't for Ray Allen. And a lot of that just comes down to the system you run and ball, off-ball movement as guys that are trying to get to the three-point line and move guys around and just run through and run around screens. That's what that's why the Warriors are so fucking good is because they took a system that works and then they put the best fucking shooters and players of all time in it. Yeah, no, it's beautiful to watch. And like, it, it's, um, I don't know. It really like, because I do watch a lot of Warriors games cause I, the, I'm yeah. in the market. Um, and it's just, it makes you spoiled in a way to where like, not so much this past year with all these cast offs and one year signings and D league guys they had, but previously just like, Talent aside, just watching the ball move like that, and then you, like, turn to, like, you know, a Houston game or a Philadelphia game or, you know what I mean, insert team X here, and it just makes you want to pull your hair out. You're like, why is everybody standing around? Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so he fell victim to that heavy in the playoffs, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. um, They did. Man, yeah, they they were a little too, like, isolation and and just – floater heavy mm-hmm. and i would have loved to see it. it's one of those things that's the ultimate easier said than done it's like yeah uh, oh yeah it's like in fighting every every tall fighter gets told you know keep the distance pump the jab but you know not everybody can actually execute it it's it's, it's one of the ultimate example of easier said than done the whole off the ball movement things but for sure it, it, it's gorgeous to watch um but yet, with that number two overall pick, you seem pretty confident that they're going to trade it. A lot of people around here think they're going to trade it. Um, I – and I don't know. I'm not even necessarily trying to hot take it here. I'm just trying to think – everybody's trying to say that the Warriors need to model the Spurs and, like, try to go for, like, you know, aim for the next 20 years as opposed to the next five and, like, maybe not try to continue this dynasty but transition to a new one. Or something like that. And, um, like, you know how it went from Duncan and Parker to Kawhi? You know what I'm saying? Um, but that seems to be a po- – so, in that saying, I low-key think it wouldn't be horrible for them to draft – this is a little hot takey, but I can see a scenario where it works. They draft the ball. He comes up – they need bench scoring, like, bad, like, really yeah. bad. And they need a backup wing really bad. And I know he's pretty much a point guard, but I think in his rookie year at 6'8", getting some minutes with Steph that playing some backup wing, I don't think he would trip too much. And, like, I, I could see this, and then he develops as the next wave, like, in the Spurs model. Or 
it, they the the um the, the Warriors currently legitimately don't have a big. I mean, they play Draymond at the five some, and they they have like like Marquise Chris, but like yeah, uh, nothing. So I mean, th- and a lot of people are liking the Wiseman pick, and I've heard James Wiseman be compared to you know maybe a little bit similar to like a Chris Bosh type of player, maybe a little you know high hopes on that, but you know what I mean. I, I think uh, I if they're gonna, t- in my opinion. I think if they're going to take a pick, it's got to be Wiseman uh, because he's the only guy, in my opinion, that they could play they minutes play without interfering because I, now I, I understand what you're saying about the Spurs and playing the long game. Um, I think the Spurs got fucking incredibly lucky to draft a guy like Kawhi Leonard and able to kind of carry that next torch and win in the later part of the, that, that or that, excuse me, that version of their dynasty I just Lonzo Ball. The thing that the one the main reason I don't think they'll draft Lonzo Ball outside of him playing the same kind of position as Steph is they the Warriors are too fucking smart to bring the Ball family into that culture. And right. I think having having the father in there and everything else that came with that BS, you saw that with the Lakers. The Lakers. Let me put it this way: the Lakers fucking traded him when Magic Johnson was still around. That's how bad that situation was because Magic had no business being involved in terms of general management. He was, he was kind of a clown show in my opinion as well. So, <laughs> Did you, have you ever heard that audio clip? And he's like, "I'm not going to be here." Oh yeah, he's like, "I just ain't going to be here." Was, <laughs> <laughs> shit was hilarious. I died. Oh, I know, that makes man. me die every time. But he just I'm kept saying. it a buck. He kept <laughs> it a buck. And hadn't even talked to the hadn't even talked to the franchise people he'd been with for thirty plus years, and he was like, "Yeah." I don't think I'm going to be around for that. <laughs> My phone's buzzing. Oh, legendary. Legendary, man. But all right, man. Uh, for sure, man. We'll keep it pushing from the Warriors, man. Like I said, yeah. um, I, 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 the, the, this is going to be the only other team I talk about that didn't make the playoffs. But um, like I said, I do I do go to some Kings games. And, you know, I uh, Nina's a Kings fan. And we, we go to a few Kings games. I'm starting to kind of root for them. They got Buddy Hield, you know, our Sooner mm-hmm. brother. So, you know, I kind yes, of low-key pull for the Kings. I like to kind of keep a keep an eye on what they're doing, even though that eye is usually disappointed. Um, and, <laughs> and, yeah, so I just kind of want to touch on the Kings not too long, but, you know, just, you know, bounce a few things off you. Um, yeah. So, so that... oh, my bad. My, I've got to no, start go off ahead. with a question. Um, do you think that the fox Hield combo – is good enough to build around like uh that's what they're trying to market like that's who's on all the t-shirts in in their in their team shop up at the stadium they're trying to you know market that's the future healed and and, uh and fox what what's your thoughts on that is that is that yeah what's your thoughts i'm gonna have to say no uh yeah they're good pieces don't get me wrong uh deer and fox is talented uh one of the fastest players in the nba um, kind of a unique skill set, smaller, smaller guard, ball handler, but extra athletic kind of guy that just can jump up and dunk on you from as like a six foot one guy. Uh, and then Buddy has proven to be one of the best three point shooters in the league, has been that way since kind of his senior year in college and has really continued to work on that game. But they don't have anything else really besides that. Uh, I know Harrison Barnes is kind of the, you know, the moneymaker veteran presence on the team. And I like him. I really do. And I think he's been a huge step up for them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they got invited to the bubble. Yeah. I mean, he's a vet, he's a vet and he's a pro and he's going to get you what you need. And he's a good voice in the locker room, I think to galvanize. And like we were talking about earlier to kind of be a leader and teach some of these younger guys, but 
if I had to guess, Dom, I bet I would bet that Buddy gets moved uh, by the trade deadline this year. I think that's been kind of a, okay. a, bu- a buzz kind of about the NBA. I think he's unhappy and knows that he can contribute to a contender. Um, he could, I, man. He really could. Yeah. Like, like if he went to Milwaukee with Giannis yeah. or, like, I don't even know, a team like that or I don't know. If, yeah, I think Buddy on a contender. Or even he needs like, to go to the Lakers. That's where he needs to go. Yeah. Lakers would fucking kill to have him. You're, you're right. You're right. That, and that would take his career to another level. Yeah. I think I could see him in, in Los Angeles, but I don't know what they can give up. I mean, they could give Kuzma straight up for him if they wanted to do something like that. Because I think Buddy got signed up maybe like a 10 or 12 per extension or something like that. I can't remember, but um, we'll see. I, I don't hate the Kings because Vladdy's still the GM, right? He's still. No, I think he's out. I think okay. finally. If Vladdy's out, then you've got a little bit better chance. That, that's what I'm saying. It's just so like my next question is just like, do you see just any possible scenario for Like, do you think. What's your thoughts on Bagley? You think Bagley's just a total buzz? You think there's any hope there? You think, like, Fox and Bagley maybe more so than maybe Fox, Bagley, and whatever they get back in the heel trade maybe could be the future? Or I don't know. It could be. It could be. That's not a, I had forgot about Bagley. And I think that, I think that the jury's still kind of out on, on Bagley. He's dealt with injuries. Um, he's a tweener kind of guy. He's a he's a t- yeah, he's a guy that is more back-to-the-basket basketball, but he's a little bit thinner doesn't have three-point range, doesn't really have a front-facing game either. So it's just kind of like, okay, is he going to be more of like a rim runner and decent defender, or is he going to be able to improve his game where he can step out to 18 to 20 and kind of make you, you know, at least a little more honest as a guy that's not going to be able to back you down because of his lack of strength? Yeah, no, no, that's – he is interesting. Yeah, he's a very interesting player for sure. So, yeah, no, definitely they're a huge question mark, right? Like, who the fuck knows? But – uh. Yeah, I guess I'll keep buying those cheap tickets when the Thunder come to town and then seeing, seeing what's up. Yeah, uh, it could be worse, man. They're competitive. I'll give them that. They compete. They're not going to just – I think that showed in the bubble. They're going to be competitive and, and give you enough – They just. I don't think they've got the horses to really compete against the, in the Western Conference against some of these other teams that are getting better. Yeah, they don't even have, like, necessarily a guy. Like, they're trying to market Fox as, as the guy, but mm-hmm. I think he's super unproven. Like, like, Fox, to me, isn't even proven as, like, a Devin Booker. No, or like no. A, like he's, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's, mm-hmm. like, I don't even know a good comp for Fox, but it's not. It's definitely like a player like a, with a lot of question marks still, for sure. Yeah, um, totally. All right, man, what – um, the Bucks officially eliminated – We've we've kind of talked about him a few times just in the course of our conversation already, but Giannis out, yeah, Giannis out. Oh no, no, he. I think Giannis stays. Um, you think Giannis stays? Yeah, I think Giannis stays. I think it came out yesterday that he'd spent some time talking with ownership, and they had mentioned that they were willing to surpass the luxury tax, spend all that they can in order to win now. Um, it's crazy. You made an interesting point about uh, how quickly we are with stars and how, you know, are they reaching a certain level? Are they at this level comparably to other stars and at versions of their career? It's like, oh, well, he's won an MVP and defense player of the year. And okay, why isn't he winning a championship? Well, and I honestly, prior to the bubble, I thought they were the best team in the NBA. And I didn't even know if it was that close. They were so dominant on both sides really? of the ball. 
They their point differential was going to go down as the second best in history if they had stayed on that trajectory, which is really a testament to both sides of the ball. I love the way that the roster was put together in terms of versatility. I thought that Middleton was coming on strong, but as they got into the bubble, it's like they totally tightened up and it was like Giannis yeah. and everybody else. Now I know that it's been kind of widely discussed about how their play in the regular season doesn't really translate to the playoffs in a series because of what Giannis is, yeah. but with his Budenholzer. best. This isn't the first time oh, we've seen no. it with the Budenholzer team. Remember those a- those um ATL Hawks squad used to win first like every yep. fucking year and then get bounced in like the second round. Yep. Remember? Totally. I mean, and I feel yeah. Like oh it's, yeah. It's, it's with Josh Boone. Smith, Joe Johnson. Yeah, you're yeah. so right, man. And so what Giannis? The problem, in my opinion, that I think they're just fucking up is like, why are you having him as a? Why do you have him take three point shots? I don't get it. He's fucking unstoppable within 10 feet. He has enough wiggle with if he's going to have guys defending him with his back to the basket, that's not a fucking chance with anybody. If he's going to get you in transition, that's not a chance with anybody. I just don't understand. Like, it's wasted possessions, and a ton of them are, like, early in the shot clock, like, contested. And I'm like – And I think it comes from him even – the whole reason he has the ball – at the three-point line is the fact they haven't played point guard, essentially. Yeah. Which, which, which is a huge – whatever money they spend in the luxury tax better be on a motherfucking point guard. Because oh. Bledsoe – they shouldn't have traded Brogdon. That's where they originally fucked up. Because remember, yes. they yes. made the choice to trade Brogdon and keep Bledsoe. If fucked they would have kept Brogdon, I don't even think we'd be having this conversation. Like, bro, I'm not saying Brogdon's – Steph Curry, but he, he's a legit point guard. Like he's a point guard that can get Giannis the ball, get the offense rolling. Like Bledsoe yeah. is like a a two guard that plays point guard because he's short. You know what I'm bulldog saying? bulldog kind of player. Yeah, yeah. He's, or he's like a bench guy. He's like a he's like a bench yeah. point guard. Like I don't know. He I, the, it doesn't match because they're essentially making Giannis like play point guard, which leads to a mm-hmm. ton of turnovers and those bullshit threes that you talked about. And then, so, yeah, like, I think if they had, like, a legit point guard, like, I'm just – I'm not even going to say anybody too crazy. Like, even if they had, like, a Mike Conley. Like yeah. A, like, like a, if they had, like, a Mike Conley, like, a bona fide, like, like a point guard, like, yeah. that could run the fucking point, take the ball up court, get Giannis cutting, you know what I'm saying, get Giannis posting up, that running, you know, pick and rolls with Giannis as the roller. Yeah. I think – I think – because that's what when people are saying Giannis is a Scotty Pip and that, or he's a two, not a one. I don't think it necessarily needs to be in like stature as much as like quite literally he's not a one, like the position one. Like stop having yeah. to put, run the point. Yeah. Like it, I don't know. I think just my I'm I'm by no means you know what I mean. I'm no Coach K. I, I I'm a casual basketball fan, but with my eye. I just feel like that's like the root of all their problems is him bringing the ball up the court, which leads to him taking those threes, which leads to turnovers, which leads to everybody else standing around. Just every knock that you can knock against the Bucks, I feel yeah. like comes from lack of a point guard. I totally agree. And I think, like I said, he just he plays out of position. I think his best – I think when you really boil it down and look at the best way for him – for them to win with him, he's a center. He's a fucking center. Oh, and, spicy. And like, spicy. Well, I mean, you think about it, though, Dom. Like, when you take it all into consideration, like, 
the NBA has moved so far away from the traditional post player. And like, oh, I who's it. the last, I, I fucking love it too. And I think it's going to make a resurgence. That's why I love Nikola Jokic so much. But you think about the last team to really win a championship with a true like offensive threat or a, or a multi-purpose threat in the post. It's Tim Duncan. And that even in 2013, he wasn't even quite what he was anymore. But as you look at the champions, it's been Rockets and Cavs just, and then Toronto last year. And, or excuse me, not Rockets, Warriors and Cavs and then Toronto last year. Yeah. And so Giannis, he's not necessarily like a smooth offensive player quite like Jokic. He doesn't have that stroke in the mid-range game as much. But he's so fucking violently aggressive and powerful. Like, it needs to be – you can run the offense through him, but it needs to be much more proximity to the basket. Like him at the elbow. Oh. Like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Or with people yes. cutting and, and running, running off ball screens for shooters. And, and, yeah, yeah. Because no, he's just, such a good passer. He's such a good passer and a rebounder as well. Like, I just don't know how you can do that. How you play in the way that you're playing it right now like, and not see. Like, like when if you're calling a Bucks game, every Giannis takes the ball up court. He's at the top of the key. And then he's either going to try to, you know, do like a the longest Euro step ever. He's going to settle for a bullshit three. Or he's going to toss to a stagnant guy in the, yep. uh, like who fires up a, a non-cutting, you know, non-really quality three ball shot. Yeah. It, it's horrible. It's horrible. It, it's awful to watch. Like, it's it's yeah. the ultimate stand and watch. I think, I think it falls on the... the I think Budenholzer and the GM got to go, yeah. in my opinion, because I don't think you can blame one. Budenholzer needs to fucking – if he can't get people to run off the ball screens, then I'm sorry, your system so – there is no system. It's stand and yeah. watch Giannis. And then, and then on top of that, the GM hasn't got it figured out that you maybe perhaps need a point guard in the guard-driven NBA. Like, you uh, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like in the 90s, they, Giannis would have been power forward – you know, just running shit. But yeah. you need a guard. Like, even if that guard is only averaging, like, 15 a game, like, you need a guard. Like, you need yeah. a guard. Like, I don't think Middleton they, – then they tried to force Middleton into, like, a guard. He's a wing. I mean, I He's guess a wing, if, man. If you want to call him a two, I guess, if you want to, whatever. But he's, yeah. he's, he's really an undersized three, kind of a tweener. He's a wing. And, yeah, and he's not necessarily he – should, he shouldn't be – neither Middleton or Giannis should really be running any pick and rolls, in my yeah. opinion, in a, in a perfect need, world. Yeah, they need a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's really – like you said, like – and I think I think the league needs to be absolutely fucking terrified if they find a way to get Chris Paul because the Ooh, combo of exactly those two – That's exactly what we just described. Yeah. That's exactly and, what Yeah, and I think it would be so – I think – with the combination of the massive chip on Chris's shoulder and the way that this season went for Giannis and the way that the expectations were, I think that could be a fucking recipe for success moving forward. And with the East, you saw Toronto kind of crack a little bit and some, you know, the Celtics are certainly coming on Miami's certainly coming on, but the, the East is definitely still there to take for the one dominant team. What up everybody? Thanks, everybody, that's tuning in to episode 15 of Dreadful Talk um, with my guest, Patrick Murray, host of his own podcast, Today in the NBA. We're talking hoops. We're talking NBA playoffs. And let me get my brother back on here.
What up, man? Back so, at it. Yeah, we're back at it, man. I appreciate all your time, brother. Um, Absolutely, man. And, man, we're going deep on some NBA, on some NBA playoffs, on just, you know, what teams' futures hold. Just, you yes, know, sir. the whole whole scope of it, man. Love talking hoops with my brother. Um, for those that also don't know, me and Patrick played football together back in high school, man. Way um, back. Way back in the day, man, a great old lineman, man. Uh, <laughs> you want to tell he's looking slim nowadays. You want to tell he, was, he used to be a beefy boy too. But yeah, many pounds ago, man, many pounds ago. You're uh, looking good, man. You're looking thank good, you. brother. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that very much. I think this I'm probably a... weighing what you weighed when you played old line. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Let's see. Back then, I was at like by my senior year, I was like two fifty five. All right, I, I ain't that beefy. I was going to say, you ain't that, you can't be I, up there, I, bro. I, I ain't that beefy yet, but yeah, man, no, it's, uh, that's good, though, man. You, um, what, 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 what'd you get into to drop the pounds? You just, just, just working out in general? Did you get, like, a hobby? Just, oh, man, I, working out in general, I started working in restaurants, and so I was on my feet quite a bit, and just honestly, man, the habits I had to, in order to keep that weight on was so unhealthy, like it was, so it was a was fight. Trying to be big. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And it was a, it was a struggle, like keeping it on and at a point, I mean, I was eating, you know, probably between five and 6,000 calories a day at, by the time I got into my senior year, just trying to keep the weight on bro. And it was horrible. Wow. And so yeah. by the time, like probably two months after that, my senior year finished up, I probably had lost 20 pounds. Just oh, like wow. I couldn't keep it on. And then like right now I hover right around 190. Nowadays, so, wow, that's yeah. slim Jimmy over there, man. <laughs> I'm like 225, dog. Yeah, but I know you you stay in the gym a little bit, bro. You a little keep that bit, chest yeah. Right. I've been I've been I've been hitting the prison push up regimen lately, just because gyms are still closed out here. Yeah, and I, I they're open here, man, but I ain't even touching it. That I got to stay home and run on the run outside, and I do a little bit around the house, but I just man, I I I don't have the, the stones to go into the gym yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel it. Call it stones or call it brain cells, whatever. Yeah, but, uh, yeah right. Yeah, man. But uh, you know what I've been doing to get a little sweat in lately, surprisingly enough? I've been fucking hopping on the old skateboard a little bit. I, I saw you, bro. Yeah, I saw man. you on your story. I haven't story. fucked myself up too bad yet. I'm sure it's coming. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. And, man, yeah, you can get a little sweat going real quick, you know, yes, just sir. real quick. But, yeah, man, uh, hop back into some hoops, man. Let's, Let's talk some it. Raptors. Ooh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Raptors, man. They, ex- uh, I don't know if you saw extended Nick Nurse today, multi-year extension, which I think is money well spent. He deserves it. He deserves it. Just adapt, overcome. I mean, think about just the different iterations of that squad. There, there was the um, the Demar Derozan era. Yep. There. Um. Then there was you know the the Kawhi era. Then the the post Kawhi era. I guess if you want to call one year an era, but I mean hell. Best era in, in Raptors history. I'm sure they want no to look doubt. at it like an era, but uh, but yeah, and, and just they, every iteration's been good. I mean, I know people used to like to clown on uh, Demar and Kyle getting sunned by LeBron back in the day, but uh, they would still always be there, man. Every fucking year. Yeah, man. He, he I don't even know. I think I think he had the last year with DeRozan, and I don't even know if he had him. It may have been Dwayne Casey. Oh, I can't that, rem- I can't remember that transition. Yeah, I don't know what year that transition took place. But they took a big risk bringing him in. Uh, Dwayne Casey won Coach of the Year with Toronto, and then they fire him. I think he's in Detroit now. Um, I think clearly. winning Coach of the Year is a curse, bro. Like, it is, man. It is. You look at it this year. Budenholzer is <laughs> definitely riding the hot seat. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Billy D moving on, and then 
Uh, Nick Nurse is in good shape, and he he's going to be there as long as he wants to be there, in my opinion. I think, especially in a market like Toronto. Yeah, man, and I mean, you bring a you bring a championship to that city, and alongside, obviously, that was a lot of fun, man. That was Hell a lot yes. of fun. Like, I'm not obviously a Raptors fan, but watching the Raptors win a ring, like. When did we think that was going to happen? Now they got some injuries and shit. That Ooh, they got lucky. But, lucky, but, lucky. But fuck all. And then that shot, the epic shot of all shots, Kawhi, yeah. the bounce, 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 epic shot. It was just nice to root. I think we had been stuck in this position for so long where it was you knew the Warriors were going to be there, no doubt, for a stretch of time. Obviously, Cleveland did their best to get there every year and would lose, uh, especially during the KD time period. So last year it was really cool to see the Raptors um, – Kind of be just a different team. That yeah, we're we, we were dying yeah. for, to watch a different team, and it gets yeah. no more different than the goddamn team from Canada with the <laughs> dinosaur as a mascot. You know what That's I'm saying? So true. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Kawhi's such an unconventional superstar. And, and nobody knew if he was going to be right coming off the injury. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And there was all the controversy if the injury was real or was it not real. He, he went out on bad terms with Pop and the Spurs. I mean, there yeah. was a lot in the air, you know what I mean? And it kind of came out of – I don't want to say left field, but in a way, left like, you know – well, how often do you do you do something like that? You trade DeRozan for no guarantee on the last year on Kawhi Leonard's contract. Yeah. And you and win. You win. Yeah, you win. So that's pretty dope. That doesn't work out often. Obviously, the Clippers are facing that right now with the way they've set themselves up with Paul George. But I know we're going to get to them in a little bit. We'll stick yeah, with the Raptors. Yeah. But yeah. – yeah, the Raptors, man. They're awesome. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge and, and fan of the way they And what they were play. able to do in this year's playoffs, even though they're officially eliminated, but they yeah. went um, seven with Boston, right? And, 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 yeah. Uh, and, that was the was, best series of the playoffs. It was an amazing so series. Um, they have nothing to be ashamed of. They, you know, nah. they, they, they put in a hell of a season. They were kind of like the Thunder. They're like the Eastern Conference version of the Thunder as far as, like, nobody really expected much out of them. Yeah. I mean, they had – Kyle Lowry in year 14 or 15, whatever it is. And then they had uh, Siakam, who was, you know, looking promising, but far from, like, a proven. Yeah, and he had a tough end of the season, man. He had a really tough – he had a really poor series with the Celtics. Shot, like, 12% from three in the series and over seven games. That's pretty much dog shit. And so that – and I thought if Siakam had a great series – or great playoffs. I thought their path forward was super obvious. Yeah. But the fact that he had such a shitty playoffs, do you that really muddies the waters on like their path forward, right? Don't you think? I do, man. I think it's I think Kyle Lowry is kind of like a Chris Paul light. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's a he's That's a veteran. Good. He's proven. He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He's one of those. And the NBA is really easy about yeah. Hall of Fame, so yeah, it's not Hall the hardest thing. But he's he's a guy. He's obviously a champ, six-time All-Star, really good defender. You know, has some has done a lot of things in the clutch for for Toronto. And clearly, at at this point, I mean, I know Kawhi Leonard was the savior last year for them, but Kyle Lowry's probably the most popular Toronto athlete that's ever lived. And point, that's a mouthful, man. That's a mouthful. And he'll cle- I think he'll retire there. But how many know, more years do you think he got? So he just finished up year fourteen. I mean. Not yeah. many guys go play 16, 17 years. You think he's going to run it back next year? I think he probably has got two good years left, maybe one. Uh, well, you never know. I think something that's really interesting to think about is the way we expect careers to go nowadays as comparably to uh, separate eras. I think you're going to see a lot of these guys play into their 40s. Um, not necessarily mm. Kyle Lowry, not necessarily him, but – 
you know, LeBron, obviously a freak. Because yeah, Kyle Lowry's never been first team all body. You know, he's, no, he's, him he's and Paul Pierce, boy. bro. Him and yeah. Paul Pierce can go hang out. They eat on on the weekends together. Yeah, they're eating him good. And Paul. <laughs> they're eating good for they sure. Got they the probably special. Yeah, that, they probably got an old lady at home whipping up some fire. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, man. So uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I. So Kyle Lowry's under contract to come back next year. Barring unexpected, he's coming back next year. I think that's right, yeah. And then I think I think you're right. You made a good point about Siakam. I think if he had come in and really been in good shape in terms I mean, he, of – He would have got broken off. He would have got extended. He would have been the future, right? But Yeah, right absolutely. Right now, if you're the GM of Toronto, I mean, are you trying to put all your eggs in the Pascal Siakam basket? Back it? I mean, basket, I don't, I don't think – I don't think that that's necessarily what I'm trying to bet my future, my franchise on at this point. I, yeah. I, I think Siakam's looking like a real good third option. I think so option. too. They have a, they actually extended him in the off season. So he, they've committed over 130 to him million. Over but he five could, years. Yeah. Over five years. But I think he's a, definitely a guy that you could see get moved. Um, you know, just that's depends. That's not that much nowadays, bro. Yeah. What it's is not. That? That's like it's about 20, thirty. It's about 30, 30? 30 a year. Yeah, yeah, guys are making. I mean, the max is up to like forty eight a year, right, or something. Yeah. So that's not. I remember twenty used to be the max. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah. where it's a different time now. They could. Yeah, I don't know about Siaka moving forward. I think he's nice. I, I just I don't think he can be the best player on the team for sure. No, they, hell no. I think but the, the thing. But they're the, in the weird scenario now where they're not going to have a high draft pick, and then no 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 free agent really ever goes to Toronto. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. Are they back to being like above average Toronto again? You know what I'm saying? It'll be it'll be interesting. The big thing for them is going to be Van Vliet. I think he's going to be moving Ooh, on. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. He's, he's yeah. moving on. I think so. He's going to get paid, and they're not going to be able to afford him. Um, he's his, he's on the tail end of his uh, – looks like he is – his this last season he was at $9 million. I mean, he's going to hit probably up into the low or high 20s, if I had to guess, per. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and somebody yeah. will sign him. I mean, New York will come who, around and be like, yeah, we'll give you 35 Nick? per. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think that, that's a super Nick move. It would, man, and they're going to expect That's him to be, like, move. a top point guard in the league, and it's just like, look, man, he's not that. And even he would say so, but. Yeah, know, man. oh, man. Uh, uh, that's interesting. Where is he going to go? He's, he's a, where would he fit good with? Like, every team has an all-star point guard, it feels like. Man, that's a good question. Um, uh, that's a tough one. If I If I was thinking about it and if I could afford it, um, you know, if he's trying to go to a contender, I think that uh, maybe the Clippers is not a bad spot for him. I think that How would the maybe... Clippers afford him. That's a good question. I like I said, they may have to make some moves with some other guys on the roster. Uh, that's the thing. Free agency and trades are so different, man, and it's complicated because right now, you know, like a team that's got the space isn't going to sign him. Like Miami doesn't need him. They've got Drogic and Dunn and Chris Dunn or none. Um, I don't know. I really don't know off the top of my head. There's, Maybe there's not a big market for guards. That's how like Utah or Conley ended up in Utah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like who? Mm-hmm. Like in Memphis has Jaw. Like every team either has a guy or a guy they hope becomes the guy. Like yeah. Sacramento right now is balls deep on Fox. Even though he would be an upgrade over Fox, they're not trying to send that message. Like they're all in on Fox. Mm-hmm. And then like I don't know maybe. I guess like a Phoenix or like, cause it's, I guess 
because I can't figure out, and I don't think Phoenix can figure out if they want Devin Booker to be the point guard or not. No, they've got Rubio running their their as the point guard, who I like this year. I think Rubio yeah. knows exactly what he is. He's not yeah. like the worst defender anymore, and he's not going to you know force up bad shots, and he's going to make the right play. I thought Rubio was an awesome addition for them, but I mean Van Vliet is an upgrade. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's a definitely a little bit more of a volume guy as opposed to that. So how does that know. look with Booker next to him? With Booker, I feel like that's too redundant, right? Like, yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. Who needs guards nowadays? Like, the You know, it would be sweet to guard, see him is where? Dallas. Dallas. With Luka. Yeah. You're right. That's a good one. I like that. I like if that. They, if I they mean, can afford him, I think it would be good. If they throw somewhere between 20, maybe 22 to 26 at him per, I don't know. I have no idea what their salary cap looks like, but Dallas would be a good fit because he's not going to be a guy that's expected to match Luka's volume, but he can still You're hit right. the clutch shot and be and there he's in the He's so court. different from Luka. He's so yeah. different. He's good off the ball. Mm-hmm. Luka's going to have the ball a lot. I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I think that would be a good one. Yeah. Look, 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 keep an eye and see if that, Fingers that crossed. P. Murray prediction hits, <laughs> uh, hits bank. Um, yeah. For sure, man. Um, let's keep it pushing to the 76ers. And this is a, a weird one, right? I mean. Fucking uh, tragedy. Like, I feel like certain people would kill to be the GM of the Sixers right now. And certain people think they want to touch that job with a 10-foot pole. That's me. Hell no. Mm. I would not want to be near it. I think. I think that on paper they are as good as you could imagine. Um, But the combination of uh, three things, Brett Brown, not being a very good coach. um, He's out now, right? He's done. So that helps, that helps them. Um, But uh, Ben Simmons injuries and then uh, Embiid's just inability to commit to getting himself in great shape and being as good as he can be. Um, I think that combination is just – it's detrimental to what they wanted to build, you know, the process and the everything process that they tried to put together. Over. But it's a wrap. Done. It's a wrap. Capital process D done. Yeah, it's done. And So I think, <clears throat> I think there's a few interesting things to note here at the Sixers. I thought conventional wisdom, most hoop fans and hoop analysis, they – everybody thought either Embiid or Simmons, one of the two was gone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't working. You got to reshuffle the deck, try right. something Which is else. How it always goes, right? But it seems to me through statements they they've made and through their firing of the coach, because you know how this goes: either the coach gets the blame or the players get the blame. It's not yep. both. It's not both. So Never. they're essentially scapegoating the coach. Which I'm not saying I'm the biggest Brett Brown fan, but I'm just saying like it, it seems to me the organization is sending the message that they're keeping both players. And that the coach was the problem, and maybe somebody in the front office was the problem, and they're gonna run it back because like typically they don't trade the or fire the coach and like blow up the organization like all at the same time, or maybe they mm-hmm. should. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a great point. Um, you saw that kind of with Oklahoma City a while back with Scotty Brooks. You know, they just said, "Hey, we're gonna you're gonna be the sacrificial lamb. We're gonna try to run this back, even though it may not work because of the personnel." Yeah, um, I hate and, that type of decision-making. I feel like oh. good organizations don't make decisions like that. That's like a mark of a poor organization. Totally agree. And I think, um, like I said, on paper it looks good, but sometimes it's culture-based too. You know what I mean? And so uh, if Joel Embiid is playing, um, you know, in San Antonio or Miami, he doesn't look the way he does right now. 
because his potential is so fucking high. Like he could potentially be like some Hakeem Olajuwon potential. Yeah. But he just doesn't commit from a body standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. I feel like I just, from a game doesn't... plan standpoint, he just yeah. doesn't like establish himself in the post enough. He doesn't shoot the elbow enough. He just yeah. I um, it's it's more of a want to thing, right? It's, yeah. It, it, I think it's definitely like an above the neck issue. Like yeah, a, like that's a, exactly or, right. Or a heart and balls <laughs> issue, one of the two. Yeah. Um, and man, um, I think in a perfect scenario. I don't want to say perfect. Perfect scenario is long gone. But what I'm saying is I think what I would do, it'd be controversial, I think I would trade him B, get something back. And I think in a perfect scenario for Ben Simmons, he's running the five playing like Jokic. Kind of okay. like what you were saying. Because imagine what you were saying about Giannis running the five, but Ben Simmons is like 30 times better passer than Giannis. So, like, I really think it would be Jokic-esque if Simmons was running the five because the, the, the will the will Ben Simmons learn how to shoot experiments over. Yeah. They, they can throw that in the same mass grave with the process, like, slogan. And, man, put, take that dog out the pasture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but uh, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. He's not – so that's what I'm saying. So he's 6'10". He's he's not a guard anymore. I'm sorry, yeah. dog. Like I know it, maybe it's an ego thing. You were drafted as a point guard. You whatever. You're a power forward now. You're a center now. You're a big. Yeah. You're a big. You need to operate out of the high post. You know you're not going to be running the pick and roll all the time. You yeah. can and you can run it with other guys, but or like offense. run dribble handoffs like Jokic, and mm-hmm. then or or establish post presence and pass out of it. I don't know, man. I think he's not a point guard. I think this is Ben Simmons a point guard. I think we have an answer. I think it's no. Yeah. And that's, you know, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because the, the NBA now has moved such so far away from, like, true positions. And so, like a Jokic, you know, they run so much of their offense through him and yeah. kind of that, that combo between him and Jamal Murray, like you said, a lot of handoffs and stuff like that and high post movement. And so, but the problem is they fucked their whole roster up by not, thinking that in the first place and now they have kind of a problem is like Embiid yep. and Simmons for them to be both great like they can't play together yes. and so what they should have done is kept Simmons and surrounded him with shooters and just yep. all over the place but now you've got like 250 million committed to Al Horford and fucking Tobias Harris that's a joke that's oh, that, to me that's why the GM needs to go yeah like, and, and I Brand. like Tobias Harris but but not at that price tag. Hell no. I don't I even got- know if I like him at half of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and Horford yeah. especially, bro. He's like worth a quarter of that. Of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's- boy. Horford was on those old Budenholzer teams we talked uh- <laughs> about. Like, that's how long he's been in the league. I he know. He was with Joe Johnson and the boys. Yeah, he but came out of college with Joakim Noah. Yeah, you know? man. Like, and, and they're paying him. Like, what are they – what are they expecting him to be? Like, I guess in their perfect best case scenario, he's their starting power forward, right? I guess. Yeah. But Embiid's on that team, center, yeah. Like, it, and Horford can shoot. But, yeah, it, it's a shit show. It, it, that's like a, a like an auto-draft 2K roster, too. Like, yeah. just like a shittily composed roster. And, like – It just – you look at these teams that win championships, Dom, and it's frustrating. It's like, okay – on paper, you can combine all sorts of great players. Like you said, like a 2K roster. Look at the Thunder a couple of years ago with Russ, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony. That's going to get asses in seats. There's no doubt about that. But you look at you look at teams like the Spurs that have won a championship. 
those guys didn't have a ton of dudes where you look at the team, you're like, oh, yeah, Manu Ginobili, he's 36. But, yeah, he's hitting game winners and fucking you up with that lefty still. Yeah. And sometimes, like, that's how you got to do it. And constructing a team and blowing the bank out for high-level guys that, you know, you're essentially getting bluffed into signing the max contracts isn't isn't the way to win. That ain't the process. No, and, like, yeah, man, it, like, I'm honestly starting to notice a trend and you can look at, like, Wiggins and Towns, and you can look at Embiid and Simmons. Like, those – you kind of don't like, – I don't want to say you don't want your draft picks to hit, but, like, because there's this weird scenario in the NBA. They come out when they're 18, 19, right? So mm -hmm. their rookie year – their rookie deal's done by 22. So And so say they made an all-star team or whatever. They've, they've played really good rookie of the year or whatever. They've hit the little milestone X, Y, and Z that says they demand a super max. But they haven't developed enough yet because they're only 22 to where they're going to, like, go be a guy, the guy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So mm -hmm. so it's it's it, 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 it's weird. It's it's like a lose-lose scenario. If you're, like, if you're drafting one or two, because it's like, like – I don't know. That's what happened with the Wiggins contract and the Towns mm -hmm. contract. It's like – they they're they they're they're good enough for their agent to prove they deserve X amount of dollars, but they're not good enough to like be the best player on a championship, and they never even made the playoffs yet because they, yeah. they they they're they've been on a tanking team because they were the yeah. number one overall pick. It's like this damned if you do, damned if you don't type of scenario in a way. Yeah, you're so right, and like I said earlier, loyalty will kill you in professional sports. And I with what what blows me away is that you don't see it more often. Uh, is you see like guys that'll get to a point where like they've they're probably in some markets worth a max contract, like you said, Andrew Wiggins or Carl Anthony Towns. Why not fucking trade him? Why not trade him prior to extension or do a sign and trade so that you're not stuck with the money? But he lets like it's just the same as like you know letting well, a guy see, play Wiggins, a season. I agree. Wiggins, I agree with, but like with Towns, let's not forget. I think the year before Towns signed that extension. There was, like, the whole GM poll of, like, which player would you build yeah. around, and, and, and everybody picked Towns. Yeah, so I think like it was after his rookie year. Yeah, so, like, hindsight's twenty twenty, but, like, at the time, they thought, you know what I'm yeah. saying? They were getting... Now, the Wiggins win was a little more debatable. I don't think anybody really thought... I don't know what they were thinking given Wiggins. I don't know how much. They gave him close yeah. to 200 million or some shit. They gave him yeah. a fuck ton. Insane. And, uh, He's making like twenty seven or twenty eight per. It's it gets nuts because he's on the the Warriors right now. Yeah, and uh, and for all we know, he could come out this year before the trade deadline and fucking earn it and then get moved. You know what I mean? Like sometimes that's how that works. Yeah, and, yeah, but but I'm just as far as hitting on them high draft picks can really yeah. be a double edged sword. It really can. Yeah. Like because I'm trying to think, who was there? Is there a team who drafted a guy top that hit? That won a championship for them. When's the last time that happened? Like, obviously, I mean, back in the day, Jordan and them boys. But I'm talking, like, in our lifetimes, because LeBron didn't win a championship for Cleveland. Not, yeah, uh, right off the bat, no. Melo I mean, didn't in Denver. D-Wade was top five, and he won with Miami right away. That might uh, be the one. Tim Duncan was number one. He won right away. I'm trying to think of some other number one guys. I mean, KD was number two. He didn't win with Oklahoma City, but he was definitely, yeah, uh, but that, you know, 
that's like two teams later though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. with their own respective team, it's very it's rare. Far between. Yeah, that's why the, really... that that tanking trusted process shit really was flawed from the jump. Yeah, because too, like if you're going to create a multi-year process, I mean, who knows? I mean, you think about it. Think about Zion, probably the most, you know, incredible prospect just from a media everything standpoint, yeah. uh, maybe of our life, probably since LeBron. Yeah, probably. And then, LeBron. and then in the next year, the best prospect in the fucking draft is maybe Lonzo Ball. Maybe we don't even know. James Wiseman, you have no idea. So if you're trying to, you know, base multiple years on a potentially almost billion dollar franchise and then you fucking are playing you know splitting hairs in a year between zion and lonzo ball that's scary man that's, yeah you're really taking a risk no you're really yeah. taking a risk I, I think i think tanking culture might have been might be kind of i don't want to say done because there's always going to be bad teams that need to rebuild but i think mm -hmm. i think the whole because for a second there it was the coolest thing in town like you wanted yeah. to tank yeah, like, like they held the fucking Lakers tank. Like, yeah. like, like people, like everybody was saying the Astros tank. Like for a second, there was Tank City. But I honestly want to say that the Sixers and they, they the whole trust the process mantra, they may have done more to like make no team want to tank ever again. Like I don't yeah. know. I think I, I don't know. I, I, it makes me question. I used to think it made kind of sense, but now after seeing that and what we just talked about with even if your draft picks hit, then you're stuck with these monster contracts for a 23-year-old. Like, yeah. it's 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 not the move for sure. Um, totally. But, man, and we'll move forward to a, a franchise who operates pretty much the complete opposite of this, um, the Boston Celtics. Oh, yes, sir. Danny Ainge, he's, he is awesome, man. They've, they've made some mountains out of molehills, too. Uh, yeah. They're drafting. They got, in my opinion, they got really lucky that the Lakers just totally fucked up and drafted Lonzo instead of Jason yes. Tatum. Um, yes. So he fell into their lap, and I I love Jason Tatum. Love. Uh, I think he's going to end up being uh, – I was having a conversation with some people the other day and kind of got some pushback, but I think here in the next two to three years, we're going to be having a conversation on who the best player in the NBA is between three guys, and I think that's going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and – uh, Jason Tatum. Bro, I one think. of my questions for you was uh, Tatum or Luca. Yeah, and I'm Moving still taking. Forward. I would. I would take Luca. Uh, I. I still would take Luca. I love Tatum, and I think his his two way play. I think he's an incredible defender. He improves his offensive game so much. Uh, it's it's clear that he's <laughs> trying to emulate a little bit of the Kobe Michael kind of, you know two, three guard, uh, you know, starting shooting guard kind of player, like what can he really maximize in his skill set? But Luca, I mean, just in one series and throughout this season and a little bit of last year, like, holy shit, that guy is so he good. He controls the whole game like a puppet, yeah. puppet master. Yeah, I agree. J J Jason Tatum is part of the game, an important part of the game. But when Luca's in the game, it's Luca's game. It's like this weird yeah. ability to control the tempo. The, the the ball handling I I agree to a certain extent I could see I could see Tatum's like body holding up longer and shit like mm -hmm. that like maybe having less injuries like being more durable which may lead him 15 years and now to have the better career when it's all said and done but I do think that Luca's ability yeah. to impact the game it probably gives him the high, higher ceiling Mm -hmm. But if it's like, I don't know, I'd probably bet on Tatum's body long term to hold up. I don't know. 
Yeah, Tatum's body, and also like like you said, man, he's playing for the C's, so like he's gonna have chances to win championships, no doubt. Um, while yeah. he's there, and they're gonna Good try point. to do that. And with Dallas, you know, who knows? I think I know we'll probably get into them a little later, but a question that I would have is like they've seen the Rockets and what that can be in terms of a primary guy that has so much ball handling, like Harden. How do you not fuck that up with with Luca um, and well, put the I right think- pieces around him? Yeah, and we'll we'll have a whole little Dallas segment because I don't want to get too much into it, but yeah, I think that everything rides on Porzingis's health. Yep, yeah, no doubt about that. Or, or the, what they can get back for his contract in the trade, mm-hmm. like the Porzingis contract, how that plays out. If he can be the Robin, or even if he can be the Chris Bosh, Miami Chris Bosh, yeah, if, if he can stay on the court. I think they'll be fine, yeah, especially if they get a Van Vliet or another star. Yeah, I'm with you. But the Celtics, man, uh, this series with the Heat is going to be yes. so interesting. Let's man. talk about some current, not hypothetical matchup basketball. Um, let's do it. Uh, Heat Celtics. All right, let's start off simple. There's a lot to dissect. There's a lot to chew yeah. on. Um, let's start off really basic level. Uh, who you got in the series and how many games? Uh, I have – I'm taking the Miami Heat. Uh, I, think, I think the Miami Heat will win seven. I think that championship experience will go a little bit further with them. Uh, I think Eric Spolstra is the most underrated coach in the NBA. Uh, I think that he deserves a little bit more credit. I know the team he had with, with LeBron was so special, but something has to be said about the management of their egos and the way yeah, that happens totally. as well. That's not so I easy. love – no, hell no. And him and Pat Riley have created a culture that only maybe the Spurs – they haven't been as successful as the Spurs in terms of championships, but they've been um, relevant, highly relevant contenders for, you know, almost two decades. So I like the Heat. I think, like I said, they have, you know, guys like Andre Iguodala, who doesn't play as much minutes as he did for the Warriors, but he's won a championship, knows what it takes. Good and point. I just, Good point. In this yeah. series, Iguodala will be helpful. When yeah. things get real tight and buttholes start to pucker – yeah. Put in his ass in the game. You yeah. know, that, that's when you take out Duncan Robinson and put in Andre Iguodala. No you know, doubt. Yeah, exactly. That's a great no. point. That's yeah. a great point. And I just – I love Jimmy Butler. I, I – he is my guy, like you said, about Schroeder. I have wanted to fucking hate Jimmy Butler and just, like, dislike the way he is. But this season, and especially in the playoffs, he has made me a believer, man. I, you know what? I bought into Jimmy Butler – the minute he cussed out Anthony or Andrew Wiggins and them boys, it was like, <laughs> I, I got to get out of here, y'all. Yeah. yeah. I was I, shocked at first, but I was like, you know what? I trust Jimmy Butler on this one. Like, like yeah. I bet they are whack and soft. Yeah. And I even in this a bubble where I think he was having a conversation with Rachel Nichols and they were like, he was like, there were something along the lines of like, who do you think can win the championship? He was like, <laughs> us. And everybody was like, whoa, I don't know about that. It's like, oh, well, you know, they're eight and one now in the fucking playoffs. Yeah, man. Just beat look, the shit out of the one of the teams that sh- should have been there. They're so fun to watch. Um, just like we were talking about on, on part one of this episode about the Warriors ball movement and off the ball movement. And um, that, then just how they're fun to watch. And, and they make other teams look so shitty to watch. That's how Miami Heat are. They, they run a whole system. It's it's yes. beautiful. It's a, it's it's like a machine, like different gears interweaving in to make this engine run. Like oh, man, it's it's awesome. And they have some luxuries with Hero. Tyler Hero's been an awesome pickup. That draft pick is yeah. really panned out. He was a high a hot commodity in the draft, and I know. But a lot of people thought he was going to be good. Like I feel like he yeah. kind of fell like like in the draft, kind of unexplainably. 
And that's how the draft can be sometimes. You'll have guys that it's like almost like, okay, he's a guarantee to be good, but how high is his ceiling? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is he really going to be, you know, is he a lottery guy? Which I, whatever. I have problems with that, but I don't get paid to be GM. So I think with Hero, Robinson, and then Jay Crowder's had a really good resurgence as kind of a journeyman. He's been good for them as well. <laughs> Versatile three guy. And then Adebayo is just like the him and Drogic. His development like, is really oh. impressive. He's he, he's he's what's going to keep the big man alive. Like everybody mm-hmm. says, like the big man's dead. Like no, but it just kind of looks more like Bam Bam Adebayo than it mm-hmm. looks like Pau Gasol. You know yeah, what I mean? Totally, totally. And you know, I think a championship team, <clears throat> every championship team needs a guy that doesn't do anything great, but does a ton of different things good and can kind of be versatile and do the dirty work stuff. So Boston, their version of that is Marcus Smart. Yeah, and, he, and yeah then, he's great, even though he's a, you know, he's a cowpoke. Oh, he's a cowpoke and he's a, floper, a flopper. Uh, but Adebayo, in my opinion, is the Heat's version of that. And he's the kind of guy that does all your dirty work. And then at the end of the game, he's got eight points, 12 rebounds, and, you know, seven assists. Yeah, and you're... Bio, he reminds me kind of like a Montrez Harrell, but like a 6'11 version. Like, he can actually guard the bigs. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like he can do all of, like, the small big type of things as far as movement and quickness and guarding and switching and um, and, and shooting even a little bit. But, uh, but I mean, he has the size to deal with the bigs and be a true big. Um yeah, he's been really impressive. So so you think maybe Bam Adebayo is the X factor? You think maybe – I think that it's without a doubt the Celtics have the advantage on the wings, even though as much as I love Butler. Mm-hmm. But you think that Bam Adebayo's post presence over a guy like Thais is going to be maybe the, the X factor linchpin of this uh, series? I think that matchup, definitely. I definitely love Bam Adebayo over Thais. Thais has been good. I don't – I think he's been he's really kinda, good for, for what like, he is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And for what yeah. they, they – for the low – I think he's a second-round draft pick. For what mm-hmm. they've squeezed out of him, definitely good. But definitely outmatched against a guy like Adebayo. I think that's fair to say. For sure. And then I also – I think another matchup that's going to be critical is Drogic and Kimba Walker. I think Kimba Walker – I wanted to talk some Kimba with you, bro. I wanted to yeah. talk some Kimba with you, bro. So Bring it on. This is how I'm going to phrase this question, man. Kimba Walker, disappointment or good teammate? Because the um, low numbers, I feel like he's an easy target. Is he, uh, is, is, he, is he fitting in? Is he blending in? Or is he under underachieving, underproducing? Which, which of those? You kind of got to pick one. You kind of can't have your cake and eat it, too, I feel like. Where, where are you leaning on that? I think, I think he's a good teammate. I think there's definitely that's definitely true. I think he provides a little bit of a balance to um, maybe what Tatum and Brown are is a little bit. They're a little bit younger. I think despite his lack of kind of success in Charlotte, he's definitely kind of has a built-in presence that kind of stemmed from his time in college as well. So I think kind of I think he's a a really good teammate. He's a leader. Um, he's a leader exactly. And I think that despite Tatum and Brown being definitely their guys. They're still 21 and 23 years old. And like we were talking about, they need that older guy that you can't exactly. have the blind leading the blind. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, and I, I love – I think he still feels that role. Yeah. And, you know, the other side of that, like you said, a disappointment. I think he's underachieved, but I think a lot of that can be stemmed from two things. I think injuries, huge. I think he's still playing not at 100%. And I think we also have to remember, like <laughs> – 
in a league that like has really come into like the expansion of the wing player and bigger players, he's so small. I think we forget how small he is. And it's not like he's Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry small. Like he's probably like six foot to six foot one and sub 200 pounds easily, probably in that 180 range. So he's taking a ton of beatings and playing against Miami. They're going to push him hard. They're really going to try to get under his skin and, and be aggressive with him. So that'll be interesting. I, and Drogic has just been dope, man. So that matchup yeah, I think, plays I a lot. I think Kemba's just like driving that Ferrari. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Tatum and Brown are just these young bucks, these these lions, these Ferraris, and he's just he's just trying to fucking keep that thing on the road. I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. I think so too. What are you it's the 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 Celtics ability to overcome the whole kind of Gordon Hayward signing and injuries has been pretty remarkable, and I feel like it doesn't go talked about as much. I mean, uh, they have a pretty decent amount of their salary cap dedicated to that contract, um, mm-hmm. getting very little ROI on it. Um, what What's your thoughts on Hayward? I mean, obviously injuries are injuries. I'm not saying he's like a bad dude, but I'm saying it's looking like a bad contract. It's yeah. like their organizational integrity <clears throat> has been able to, like, overcome that. Uh, maybe uh, the rookie yeah. deals of Tatum and Brown obviously factor in. Definitely. That's a good point too. And I'm glad you mentioned that Hayward, like you said, injuries are unpredictable and you know, anytime a max player gets his ankle shattered within the first minute of a season of which he's getting signed, that sucks. And for an injury like it was, especially that's a long-term thing, it sucks too. But <clears throat> I think it's a testament to Brad Stevens and the culture in, in Boston that, you know, look, this is a loss, but we're going to overcome it. They've shortened their rotation significantly. Uh, they're playing basically like seven and a half guys right now. Those starters are playing, averaging 40 minutes a game, which is just crazy. Yeah, so, I but, mean, it's, it's Walker, Tatum, Brown, Ice, and, and, and who else? Uh, Marcus Smart. And Smart. And then, and then they bring, the, they bring uh, the, two, the two Williams, the two young guys, Robert, Robert Williams, Williams and yep. Grant Williams. Okay. And then they'll play the combo of Brad Wanamaker and Simi Ojale like maybe 10 minutes. Like yeah, that's yeah. really it. Yeah, Ojale barely sniffs the court for yeah. sure. Yeah, so that's pretty much how they roll out. And they'll basically rotate. Tice will play about right around 30. And then they'll let Robert and Grant Williams kind of give them some breathers and just give them some athletic roller bodies basically. Do you think that uh, Hayward eventually gets moved or do you think that's like an unmovable contract? I mean – I, I mean, I think without a doubt they'd like to move him, but who the fuck's taking that contract on? I mean, would you like to see him in OKC maybe? Or, like, I mean, he needs a, I don't know. Where I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody clamoring for Hayward, especially at that price. Yeah, and unfortunately, the further you move away from his time in Utah, the less valuable he becomes because he's just not – there's no tape. You can't – you don't really know what you're getting, even with the injuries. And like you said, the contract's difficult. I could see him – you know, they'll play this season out and, you know, depending on if they make the finals and say, well, we basically got here without him, they'll do anything they can. They're not going to just cut him and pay him. I think you could see him get a situation where, like, he's got one year left and they move him to, like, Detroit because he's just, like, an expiring contract they got to yeah. move. Yeah. But I think they still want to see if he can come back healthy. But even when he's played, he just hasn't looked right. Where does he know? fit? Like, is he a sixth man? I mean, I guess he's a better six man than Wanamaker. I mean, but that's yeah. a lot of money to pay a six man. Um, if you can, if he have can to come back healthy, Tatum. they're eventually yeah. going to have to back up the Brinks truck for Tato. 
Yeah. All, I mean, they're going to have to pay Tatum. They're going to have to pay Jalen Brown. They're going to have to maybe – I mean, I don't know what Marcus Smart's deal is, but even he's a guy that could demand somewhere between, you know, a little shy at 20. Yeah, 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 probably in that 15 to 18 range for, because his value is increasing every day as well. On-ball defender that can frustrate all different guys, especially in a smaller league. And, man, the thing that I love about Marcus Smart that a lot of players don't have is, especially nowadays – he brings it every fucking game, every minute he's on the court. Like, yeah. and I don't like the flopping. I hate that shit. And I think that it's really disruptive to the game, but he has found that balance that like a Patrick Beverly has not. And that like, you can be aggressive and frustrating without like jeopardizing your fucking team and looking like an idiot. And yeah. like, he, and, he's but, helpful. He, yeah. You have to remain helpful above all else. You have to remain helpful. Yeah. And con- contribute to win. And, now that he's hitting some shots, he's definitely increased his value quite a bit. But yeah, man, I like I like the Heat in seven. Um, I just think they've got a little bit more experience. But if the Celtics win, I I wouldn't be surprised. They they kind of do remind me a little bit of that Oklahoma City first go around twenty twelve, where they're younger and they're proving themselves. Tatum and Brown, they're starting to really break out and, yeah. and disrupt. Yeah, definitely. Hey, brother, I hate to do this to you, man, but I got to take a piss real quick. You mind just talking a little Heat Celtics? Um, well, I'll be yeah, right man. Back. I'll All keep right. it going. I'll All keep right, it going. You. It's no problem, man. Absolutely. Step out for a minute. Yeah, so we're talking here. Uh, this is Dreadful Talk. I'm Patrick Murray. I'm sitting on here with Dom Rossetti. We're in the middle of talking about um, uh, Heat Celtics. Uh, earlier uh, this week, I put out a podcast talking a little bit about this matchup and I just think still it's a testament to the Celtics getting here in the first place, beating a team like the Raptors. Uh, that was no easy task. I thought they were cooked, and I thought that even in game seven that they still had an opportunity to lose that, and they just found a way to gut it out. Um, I think that they're going to give the Heat everything they want. I love all the matchups across these rosters. I think that each team has some some advantages, and each team has some diff- disadvantages in different spots that can kind of fit into one another, but – as I've talked about, I think that the keys to the series are going to be the matchups between uh, Goran Dragic and Kimba Walker, and then also Bam Adebayo and uh, Daniel Tice down low. I think that'll be really interesting to see as well. So, and looks like Dom's back. We'll get I'm right back. back into this. I appreciate you, brother, man. But it's yeah, nothing, man. Bro. So yeah, we were we were um we were kind of examining this series, kind of um from the perspective of the Celtics, but let's flip the, let's flip the switch a little bit and talk heat. I know we kind of just kind of quasi did discuss the heat. In the no, that's okay. Right let's now. do it. Let's dive a little more into the heat. Um, I mean, I, they're definitely the Cinderella of these playoffs, the underdog, um, which I always root for the underdog. Man. Oh like, yeah. I love it. I love Me underdogs. Too. Like I love it in fighting. I love it. I love college football upsets. I mean, I love underdogs. Like, like literally if, if it's not my team, I root for the underdog. And, I mean, by nature of that, I'm often disappointed. But, man, the, the <laughs> Heat, um, it made me a believer, man. They made me a yeah. believer. Them them beating the Bucks. nobody gave them any type of shot doing that. I'm sure somebody in Miami made a bunch of money on some bets there. Yeah. I'm sure you got a great number on that. Because, yeah, who the fuck thought that the Heat were going to beat, the, beat um, the Bucks? Nobody. 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 You make a good point, man. They – there's something about the underdog that's exciting, right? And as it's happening, you still are in a little bit of disbelief. But by the time they got to about game three, you knew that the Heat, it was done. And even after they got that that kind of pride victory, 
uh, the Bucks did after Giannis went down, you still felt like, okay, I mean, that was nice and it was, you know, whatever, but the Heat were going to finish it up and move on. And they've got all, a lot of momentum, man. They've got a lot of momentum. And I know the Celtics coming off a victory over the Raptors do too, but I just, I don't, even if it goes to seven, I just don't see a way the Heat don't win the series. They they just X and O people to death. Like, yeah. when you watch a Heat game, just like the strategy is just it's it's apparent. It's just like it's the pieces being maneuvered on the fucking borders. You can just watch it play out before your eyes. Just the the strategy, the ships and strategy, the the unconventional strategies. Just they have they have weird lineups they throw <clears> out there. They're just, everything about it is different. It's like a southpaw boxer. It's just like yeah, like they just they play at a different pace. They have different style athletes. They run different type of screens like i fucking love that comparison whoops yeah it's just everything's coming at you from a different angle like yeah just everything's coming from a different angle like it's just different they do things different that's so true i they just yeah they really come at you differently uh the thing that i think is unique and i know that some other teams probably could say this too but they legitimately have probably I would say at least five guys that some are starters and some are not that could go for a 30 piece. Like it's nothing like Butler for sure. Yeah. Bam bio could surprise you. Drogic for sure. Hero and Robinson could get hot. Even a guy like a Crowder or uh, Iguodala yeah. could just get really hot and you'd be like, Oh shit, there's 25. And that was the MVP. Or, of the or game. even if it's not 24 or a triple double, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, even if exactly. it's not the scoring, like, like Crowder and Iguodala could easily get you close to a triple double at any yeah. given moment. Uh, yep. And 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 this, uh, even Olenek off the bench will give you a double double real easy. Yeah, Olenek as well. He's been so, in there and he's been a guy that's hit some big shots in playoff games. I forgot. I totally forgot about little him. point guard with uh, like the Chris linebacker Nunn. number. Chris, yeah, Better Chris Nunn. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's um he he's a baller. No, Kendrick yeah. Nunn. Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn. Nunn. I'm sorry, Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, that's yeah. right. No, he's a he's, baller. Um, man, so just um. We already both said that we, you know, we're pretty much taking the heat in seven in, in, in the series. So I don't want to spend too much more time talking about that. But what I want to ask you is conventional wisdom would kind of tell you that Jimmy Butler is not like a true one. And um, do you do you think the heat plan moving forward to have Jimmy Butler as the one or like, obviously, you've already stated that you think Giannis is staying, but I keep hearing Giannis to Miami rumors. So the Miami rumors have definitely been circulating and that's kind of an underlying thematic of the NBA is everybody, every off season, you're going to catch somebody in a Photoshop Miami. Jersey. Yeah, yeah. So that's true. You've seen that with Miami and there's been a ton of talk because of Ujiri in Toronto as well, that, that Giannis could get moved there. But um, Jimmy Butler. So this is a, this is so awesome that you asked me this. This is a question that I literally ask myself every single day. Like yeah, every time can, you watch the heat. Yeah. If, if Miami, <laughs> if Miami wins a championship, are we really going to be able to live with the fact that, Jimmy Butler was their number one player. Like when's the last time that a team won a championship where we could say the guy's level of play was, was, was Jimmy Butler and a team that I keep looking back on it. Their play is not the same. Their play is not the same at all, but the way the cast was put together is the Detroit Pistons that won over the Lakers about 15 years ago. That's about as close of an example as you're going to find because Because the Dirk Dallas team is a terrible comparison. Yeah. The, the first Heat team with Wade was a nope. terrible comparison. 
I, I think that's about as close as you're going to find. I mean, I'm sure there was somebody back in the 80s or something that, you know. Yeah. But, but the, in but our that, lifetime. Yeah, that, that Detroit team, they just had guys that were really good all over the place. I mean, Ben Wallace was a defensive player of the year. Yeah. Chauncey Billups, you know, was a guy that really was a, a really great point guard in the league. Uh, you know, Rip Hamilton, all these yeah, guys that were really good. But they weren't necessarily – they weren't max contract guys. Yeah. They weren't – they weren't that, – that year they were all all-stars, and I think a lot of that has to do with their team success. But they weren't long-time all-stars and anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. And they beat, they beat a fucking dynasty down with, yeah. with, with Shaq and, and Kobe. So I think – I just a little teaser, but I know we're going to get into this too. I, if the Heat end up playing the Lakers in the finals, I think it could be one of the best finals we've ever seen. Just because of all the storylines with LeBron formerly being that's there. Rocky and Balboa. I mean, that, that's, that's so exactly. Fun. That's so exactly. Fun. Yeah, man. I mean, and that's pretty much what we're both predicting, right? Because I yeah. mean, this is the uh, it's Heat Celtics for Eastern Conference Finals, right? Yeah, that's lo- that's locked in. That starts uh, five forty today, I think. Uh, Hell yeah, yeah. Good looking out. And then um, all right, and then yeah, just um. Just, I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but Pat Riley, that culture, Spolstra, that their ability to draft in the middle of the rounds and knock it out of the park and get mm-hmm. undrafted guys like Duncan Robinson. I mean, that's the model, right? Like, that's what everybody wants to be. That's the sustainability. Like, like I don't know. Yeah, you may. Yeah, exactly. You win a ring every ten years, but every year you're just fine. You keep reinventing yourself. Yeah, you never hit rock bottom. It's, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. It's 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 a testament, like I said, to their culture. You hear a ton about like, uh, oh, he's a Heat guy. He's a Heat guy. They fit. You've seen it with Udonis Haslam, who's pretty much been there for like twenty years. Yeah. You know, wait, wait, but really, it started a little bit in the later nineties with guys like Zoe Mooring and yep. that kind of team. Yep. Yep. And he yep. was kind of the first guy. Was like, this is a Heat guy. And Pat yep. Riley was a, has been with him for a long time. And I think Zoe is now in the front office too with the Heat. So. It's it's all galvanized there. They keep and, it in the family. Yeah. yeah. And 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 LeBron bought into it, but I think long term, I don't know if that's necessarily what LeBron was about because the heat culture came before what LeBron was uh, yeah. in terms of priorities. So it's just a testament to to program or excuse me franchises creating a culture that exists outside of just each season. You know, and in a culture that's like sustainable because mm-hmm. like. Because, like I said, there's L.A. Lakers that can always get free agents. There's certain cities like that, but just the culture is sustainable. Like, if you're – like, I don't know. Cause that, the, it's just a sturdy foundation. It's a sturdy mm-hmm. foundation to build upon. Um, yeah. But, yeah, man, we'll keep it pushing to the goddamn Los Angeles Lakers, man. Fucking Hollywood. Uh, Showtime. Showtime, man. Um, they're going to win it? You got them winning it? Uh, yeah. I do. I, I, and I've been on, I've been on them since the beginning, even before the playoffs, I've said Lakers. Uh, I can't bet against LeBron. I cannot bet against LeBron in a season where there's not a super team built to destroy him. And That's uh, barring a major injury and, or the one other disclaimer is if Anthony Davis somehow like goes into a shell, I think the Lakers are going to win because he elevates those guys on that roster just enough to make them winners. I talked about it a little bit on my podcast this week about Alex Caruso as a guy that like, he's, he's just not, I don't know, a bunch of different teams. What is Alex Caruso? But as you've seen throughout LeBron's career, he'll have these guys that like a Matthew Della Vadova that when they need him, Mike Miller, there you go. Like these guys like that step up in the most opportune moments. And 
he's he's got some gifts, man. I mean, he can sear like he can fucking fly, and he can shoot a little bit. And uh, I like Caruso, but <clears throat> the Lakers they throttled the Rockets, which is about what I expected. Uh, Rockets pretty much didn't put up a fight after that. They're about game three, and it just that's it's what it is, man. LeBron and AD, that two piece combo is fucking yeah, unstoppable. Yeah, that's a perfect combo to beat the Rockets for sure because yeah. they're, they're small enough to stay in the game, but but they're obviously just large human beings. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and man, what do you so yeah, I was gonna you kind of talked about it a little bit as, as far as going into the show. Um, you worried at all about like fourth quarter AD, how he'd be disappearing? Uh, it's hard to say, man. I like AD has proven kind of each step along the way in the playoffs to kind of make me a little bit more of a believer. Uh, the, I mean, the other night, for example, in that game five, he didn't even score a bucket until like halfway through the second quarter and they were kicking their ass. So I think that there's ways they find out to kind of unlock him, but late in the game, I think that it's going to be important and they're going to make it important teams that are going to play the, if they play the Clippers or if they play or the, Miami, or if they play Miami, they're going to yeah. put it, they're going to stack up on LeBron and make yeah. AD beat them for sure. Cause they know what LeBron's going to bring Yeah, and they're going to push AD. And I mean, he's shown his abilities um, and how unstoppable he can be, but coming up, I mean, the potential that he's either going to play, uh, against, you know, Bam Adebayo or the kind of lineup with the Clippers. The one thing where I could see if they end up playing the Nuggets, he's going to average about 40 on Jokic. Uh, Jokic, yeah. And I would love to see that matchup because as much as I love Jokic, defensively, he's pretty bad. And, no, that's a bad matchup for Jokic, even offensively for Jokic. Yeah. I think he would have a hard time operating the way he traditionally does for sure. Yeah. For Definitely sure. the way he's been operating against Harold for sure. Um, you think Kuzma's a number three? Like both answer that both this year and moving forward. Is Kuzma number three? Okay. Uh, <coughs> this year, no, uh, he is not. Oh, uh, I don't think so. I think that whatever this sort of like amoeba formation of their bench is, is kind of their galvanized number three. I love what I've seen out of Rajon Rondo. I love it. I think he also is a guy that, like, has a little bit of a chip that is like, man, I got to get this fucking ring, and I'm going to play my ass off. It looks like he's healthy. But Kyle Kuzma, I think like what you were talking about earlier, man, I just don't know. I just don't know if he's got the stuff between the ears. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't feel – Yeah, he he, exactly. He doesn't quite have that edge where he's, like, super aggressive. And we really – he hit a game winner in the – I can't remember. I don't think it was in the Portland series. I think it was just a regular season game before the playoffs in the bubble where it was like a last minute like catch and shoot. But he doesn't really have like any experience like when the games are really serious. I mean, both these Trailblazers and Rocket series were what, 4-1? So this next series is where he could really be asked to do a little bit more. And, and if you think about it, really all he can do is catch and shoot. Yeah. I mean, you can't really face up and handle – he doesn't have really a back-to-the-back game. Like, he's kind of a tweener, three, four. Like, I don't know. Like, if he's not if, if he's not catching and shooting threes, I don't really know what he's doing for you. He's got to be a cutter. He's got to be ways to be aggressive offensively, you know, trying to find ways. Because he's a bigger-bodied guy. You would think that he could get a little bit more action in terms of maybe offensive rebounds or just stuff yeah, He needs cutting. to be more active. Just yeah, active. Do more. Move. Just and, I, and I've talked about this, and I think it's been talked about time and time again, like 
trust, LeBron's trust goes a long way. And I don't know, I don't know if he's fully trusted by LeBron. Or should he be for that yeah, matter? Yeah, exactly. And I don't know exactly. if LeBron's wrong for that. Exactly. I, and then kind of, I don't know. I think, do you think that if the Lakers win it, this is Bron's most impressive championship? I, I vote yes. It's hard, man, because 2016 is really special. The way over, that over the Warriors, yeah, being down three one over a 73 and nine team and winning in the way that they did is really impressive. But I think, I think in the longevity of it, uh, it will be a critical part of his le- legacy. And maybe, um, I mean, it would be saying that he's won a championship with three teams. It would be saying yeah. that he's won a championship for the most uh, important NBA franchise ever. It would mean that he won a title in the year that Kobe died. And it would mean that he uh, established himself with what? That would be his fourth ring. Yeah, his fourth ring. In year 17. Yeah, and, and in year 17. And like, in a year a, that he led the league in assists. Yeah, who's been a lead dog at year 17? There's been guys ring chasing at 17. Who's been the lead dog on year 17? I mean – Nobody. And, Nobody. And not only that, Dom, like he's been a he's been the lead dog since the fucking minute he stepped on the court as an eighteen year old. Well, since I was in third grade. Yeah. Like, yeah. like two thousand three. Yeah. Two thousand three. Third grade when that fool and that fool's been the lead dog ever since. So that's just yeah. insane. I do you think that that Cavs team that beat the Warriors would beat this year's Lakers team? Like which team do you think was better? Oh wow, that's a hell of a question. Um, I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't I mean, know yet because it kind of comes down to: Are you taking 2016 Kyrie or this year AD as the Robin? I mean, I think that's kind of what it boils down. Super, yeah. like, could not get two more different players, but I might take Kyrie because of the between the ears shit you were talking about. Like, yeah. And and let's not even forget. I mean, K Love was valuable. Tristan Thompson was valuable. Those yeah. are two guys that I think LeBron would fucking die to have right now. Um, man, I think ask me that question if we do this again after the finals. Let's ask me that because so much can happen if they play. Yeah, the AD legacy and, yeah, will be defined in yeah, in these these this, next this. two series. You're yeah, right. I mean, if they play the Clippers in the Heat and he's dominant, I mean, that's going to be really a big deal. No, you're right, man. Hey, um, hour three, hour number three, man. We're we're in deep waters, brother. I really appreciate you. Yeah, of course, man. I couldn't be happier to be here. Hell yeah, man. But all right, man. Let's talk just briefly about this year's Trailblazers team. I mean. I feel like it can be summed up in just two words, Damian Lillard, right? Like, um, I think for a while there, we were viewing them as kind of a two-man show with Lillard in the column. Um, But I think just the Lillard separated himself so far from McCollum at this point that it's pretty much the Lillard show, and McCollum's just essentially like a role player on the team at this point, essentially. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this year's Portland team? Uh, A lot of fun. Uh, I think um, Damian Lillard elevated himself to another level again. I had him as yeah. my first team, my first team All NBA point guard this season. Uh, I mean, he had multiple stretches both in the regular season where he hit. I think I want to say he hit fifty a couple times in a row 
earlier in the season and then obviously in the in the bubble, in the bubble. getting yeah i mean that was special i mean let's i think so it's kind of special <clears throat> it feels like a long time ago now um, it does were, right <clears throat> when they were kind of the hot pick to to take down the lakers you know and yeah uh we're obviously we've gotten past that but you know damian lillard hit some incredible shots some insane moments in this playoffs and yeah i mean he was their guy there was there there's no doubt and uh mccollum was an interesting player. I really liked him as a role player as well. I think he's like right under that all-star level. Yeah. <clears throat> um, where he, I don't think he'll ever make an all-star team really. Um, he's had some injury issues, back stuff too, which is scary. But Damian Lillard was as good as it gets in the NBA at that position this season, no doubt. Yeah, and I, I really think, I, I, man, I, I'd love to see him blow it up and trade McCollum and try to get some like a wing back. Because the thing is, McCollum's like the same height as Lillard. They're like both 6'3". Yeah. And, and so, like, for them out there, like, it just – you're just starting off behind the eight ball size-wise. And, like, mm-hmm. like when they were younger, it was worth it because you guys just needed points. But now that the lead alpha has just asserted himself so much, I just think that the complementary piece isn't just McCollum and Nurkic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. I love Nurkic. He was fun to watch too. He had some. He had a great year. Games. He had a great year. Yeah, perfect just, compliment. They just need more, I guess, is what I'm. Yeah, saying. no, they do. Uh, I think. I think. I may be wrong on this, but I think Trevor Ariza opted out prior to the bubble. I think he would have helped them a little bit. He's older and definitely past his prime, but would have helped. Uh, they were just so short in depth once they got into the bubble. Yeah. And after Zach Collins, who was their starter at the at the four. He gets hurt, breaks his ankle, I think, either right before the playoffs or right into the playoffs. That was a huge loss because that's that that, you're playing Nurkic, Whiteside, and then some Taylor Gabriel. Not Taylor Gabriel. I don't even know the guy's name. Yeah. I had never, I didn't even know he was on the roster. So that's not a place you want to be in the playoffs in the NBA when you're playing Against dudes. the that, one seed Lakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're playing LeBron. So, yeah, man. He was awesome. And I think going forward, they're going to either have to make – he's going to have to make a business decision or they're going to have to find a way to get more out of that roster and get some, some more players to help him. Yeah. It, it's cool. Be, so like Lillard's from Oakland, like here in the Bay yeah. area. And it's like Lillard gets love in the Bay. It's like people in the Bay are like, Oh, I'm a Warriors and Lillard fan. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's yeah, like, that's uh, so dope. Yeah. No, I it's love so that. Dope. It's like people in the Bay, like low key kind of root for Portland. I mean, they're in the same division. So like, obviously mm-hmm. they don't want to see him beat the Warriors, but definitely, you know, people, Lillard and, and the Portland, you know, they get more, more attention here than pretty much the other 28 other teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, his so, story yeah, is dude, dope too. His story, oh, yeah, so his story cool. is real dope. Um, he always puts on for um, Oakland. I love his music. Like I legitimately love his music. Like I have it in my Spotify just Word. mixed in with my other music. Like his music is dope. I honestly haven't given him a chance. It's not out of any lack of respect. I just am so get stuck in my ways with my music. But I, as from what I'm aware of, he's as good as it comes in terms of the athlete doing rap thing. Yeah, like like it's good enough to where it doesn't sound like an athlete rapping. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's like like you know Jake Cole good or anything. But yeah, I mean, he has some songs that are like legitimately fire, and he has some collabs. Like, he's collabed with Wayne a few times. Um, yeah so it's like it's legit like the production yeah. quality's there like it doesn't just sound like you know like, like i don't know if you've heard levy on bell shit but it's like, not nah. it, <laughs> you know what i'm saying don't rush the don't rush the cop that one anytime you know too quick but uh but 
But yeah, Lillard, Lillard can spit. So I just I like him as a man. He gets mad, mad love here in the Bay. I actually so really cool, like man. his shoes. Um, yeah, his shoes are like slept on uh, Adidas shoes. Um, and uh, yeah, just a big, big Lillard guy. I, I doubt Portland ever gets it right. I mean, yeah. I, and, and but he's been he doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down that he wants to stay in Portland. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on up there. Like I don't know. Maybe, but. Regardless, one of the most entertaining players in the league, and I definitely want to touch on them briefly. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, we'll keep it pushing to, to the very just enigmatic uh, Clippers. The just Ooh. what what are they? How good are they? Are they the best team in the league? Are they going to get beat by the, the the Nuggets? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> And the other Los Angeles team. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see. The question you just asked. Number one, are they the best team in the league? No, uh, they're not. And even on paper, they're not. The, I don't even think they're the best team in the league. But uh, they tonight is the biggest moment uh, outside of LeBron in the NBA in a long time. Uh, probably, I don't even know how to really mention how important this is going to be if the Clippers lose this game. Uh, if Clippers lose to the Nuggets tonight, it's probably the most disappointing season in, man, I don't even know how long. I think it's just wow. that important. And I think because of so many storylines, obviously with what you've set up with them really jeopardizing their future to win now with Paul George and Kawhi, um, and that's just them as a franchise. Steve Ballmer, new owner, owner put all this money into, you all know, chips, yeah. yeah, all chips in, building a new stadium, all these things. Doc Rivers, uh, his legacy, uh, he's been down 3-1 with the Clippers before and lost. And could this, you know, could this happen again? And then you take into account the players, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Paul George, uh, if he loses this game, will... History of coming up small. History yeah, history. Of coming up small. Yeah, with now three franchises. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard, who um, is no longer kind of in the second tier really good champion but not all-time great he's now on that level he's won two championships uh two different teams two different teams his performance with toronto last year will go down as a as one of the more special seasons in the nba two finals Um, mvps right yep two finals mvps and if they lose he'll now have that pressure that kobe and LeBron both faced in bad losses. And how do you return from that? What does it mean for your future? You now have a chip on your shoulder. And what does that mean for you in terms of the pressure? So, so I, I might sound a little Skip Bayless-ish here. Forgive Bring me, it. But I love it. I love it. Come so, on. So what, what I'm saying is I think that what's going to happen if the Clippers lose is that the Paul George becomes Kevin Love as far as like the blame man, the fall guy. I don't think it's going to damage Kawhi's legacy. I think that LeBron set that playbook up for deflecting blame. <laughs> and, and, and and I think Kawhi's going to follow that, like, stick to the script, memorize the lines. And yeah. Set up a little Wayne. I think that uh, – <laughs> I think LeBron wrote the script. I think uh, Kawhi's going to follow it if they lose. And if he didn't have help and playoff P came up small and who the fuck is Zubach and fucking – yeah. You know what I want? Just what runs through my brain when I watch the Clippers, what bit them in the ass in the trade, um, that they may be able to have gotten away with not giving or maybe not, but uh, they miss Shy Gillis Alexander. They miss him so much. Yeah. Just in how that offense flows and, and, and 
another shot creator, another playmaker, another uh, defender that can defend guards and wings. They miss SGA a lot, which is because he's a very good player, and we see how much he helps the Thunder. We already kind of got into that. But uh, when I watched this year's Clippers team, I'm like, they thought they could get away without what SGA brought to the table, and I think that they're being proven wrong. Yeah, I and I think – I think it's important to note, too, I don't think that they were quick to give him away. I think that that was something that was probably the last piece of that trade with PG. Yeah, Presti got yeah. that one. Yeah, he did. And he, man, that was a – That's a big one. Hell That's of a, a trade. big one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's important, too, like we see these teams, you know, I Kawhi Leonard was great last year, but he – I don't know if he wins that championship without Kyle Lowry. And having a point guard that can control the flow of the offense yeah. um, is critical. And, look, Kawhi Leonard is special. Do not get me wrong. I think yeah. he's, you know, as, as good as it gets. And late in the game, he can create for himself so well. He does – I am not comparing him to Michael Jordan, but he can do his game. That, that mi- Yeah, that mid-range yeah. creativity. He can get to the basket. He can hit a three, but he doesn't take bad ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all a, that stuff. It's a throwback. So, yeah. And so what I like about him, you know, that's good. But they don't have somebody that, like, will control the pace of their offense very well. And, you know, Pat Beverly comes in, and he's, like, a liability offensively. Like, he's the last guy I want touching the ball, man. You're a fucking nuclear bomb. And and that's the point guard. So that's, like, an oxymoronic statement. Yeah. How can you have a point guard that you don't want touching the ball? Yeah. Like, that sentence shouldn't exist. Like, that's, like, a hard sentence to even formulate. Because yeah. it makes no fucking sense. Like how that's like having a quarterback you don't want touching the ball. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. It's like it, 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 you can't. You know what they need? They need their version of Kimba Walker. Yeah. Like yeah. like they remind me a lot of the Celtics in their roster construction because like the two wings, mm-hmm. Brown and Tatum. Mm-hmm. You know Kawhi PG. It's kind of roster construction is kind of similar, in in a way. The Clippers have a more expensive version of it. Yeah, probably, and uh, for now at least, and I and I'll probably yeah, good point, and I'll and I'll and I'll probably take Brown over PG at this point, but that may be revisionist history. But uh, like what I'm saying is, I think that's what's making Celtics work. But I'll say this: I think if the Celtics lose to the Heat and the Clippers lose to the Nuggets, I think that two All Star wing roster construction trend may could be done. Work it. It yeah. could be like the new wildcat, like yeah. you know what I'm saying, like because I I don't know that you I think you need you need a guard whether that's a one or a two to go along with your wing, like like with LeBron always. But see, LeBron is almost the exception. I think a lot of teams are trying to make their wings the point guard, a la LeBron, but they're not LeBron. Like Giannis is not yeah. LeBron. Kawhi is not LeBron as far as the passing, as far as the point guard, as far as the tempo, as far as controlling, the maestro, you know what I'm saying, the puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't have just that their, – their stranglehold on the game. LeBron's the only wing, I think, that can do that. If, if, you, can, if you call Luka a wing, I guess throw yeah. him in there. But you know what I'm saying? Like, these teams are constructing these rosters – with, you know, well, we have two $30 million wings, so therefore we don't need a point guard. And I think, which the, the Celtics have a point guard in Kimba, but I think that the Celtics are getting exposed for, like, this that that oversight of thinking just because you have elite wings that you don't need a point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think the Clippers, 
like you said, they just need they need somebody to control the pace. The pace. And the pace is so critical, and they because they have guys. You think about the way their roster is set up. You have Pat Beverly, who is like I said, a liability in a lot of ways offensively. Kawhi Leonard, who's going to get his every single night. He's going to yeah. get, he's he's good for thirty and ten every night. Yeah. Paul George is a guy that <clears throat> he's going to be off ball a lot, even though they use him as kind of their guy that brings the ball up too much, in my opinion. Yeah, but he's so much better. Yeah, he's a much better player off the ball and yep. catching it off, you know, handoffs and screens than he is really delivering and pacing the offense. And then you have Marcus Morris and Zubach, and those aren't necessarily guys that you're running offense through either. You've got a dunker yep. and a guy that's probably an undersized power forward. So – and then off the bench, guys like Shamit, Reggie Jackson, Lou Williams even is a guy that, like, they have used typically to dictate their pace. But the Nuggets have fucking handled them. I said – I've talked yeah. about this in this in this week's podcast. I was blown away when I was doing some research. I couldn't believe this, Dom. In the regular season, <clears throat> Trez Harrell and Lou Williams together average 36 a game. Yeah. And in the playoffs right now, they're averaging 20. That is the se- that is the story for the Clippers right now. It is. Trez yeah. is coming up small and Lou Williams, yeah, they um... – he hasn't found it since he's been in the bubble, since he can't yeah. get no more lemon peppers. He's, man, he's hurting. He's hurting. Lemon pepper, lemon pepper, Lou. Man. Yeah, lemon pepper, Lou, man. He's hurting for them thighs and breasts, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel him. It's tough. It's tough in the bubble. You know, that Oh yeah. That cell, he's, he's like, I don't know. He's like the opposite of a boxer, man. He can't he can't go in there with full nuts. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, man, yeah, the Clippers, I, I, I this this series is so interesting because it's like, if the Nuggets win, it cements them as like, okay, they're no longer arriving. They're here. Yeah. Like, they're a player. Yeah, like conference finals is no joke against the Lakers. And, and and then especially how that series go, if they push them to seven or whatever, you know. Sure. But uh, but then if they have the Clippers lose in the second round, it's, it is one of the biggest, like, super team blunders. Yeah. In in recent history, for sure, for sure. Because yeah. I, I remember before the season started, it was like, oh, Clippers or Lakers. Like, it, like, it was just foregone conclusion. Right. And it was so, kind of that discussion all season long, man. And the Lakers had stretches where they were certainly looking like the best team in the NBA. Um, they kind of had their shit together. But the Clippers, I, and I know some of that could be attributed to injuries and, um, in my opinion, uh, some roster management stuff. But – they just never had a stretch where they won like 11 in a row and were kicking somebody's ass on a Sunday nationally televised game. And it was yeah, like, they okay. Looked, they looked beatable. at like, Beatable. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And not on some kryptonite shit either. Like beatable. Yeah. Like flawed. In a way. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Man. Yeah. No doubt, man. All right. So let's do a little dive on the Mavs. We've talked about them a few times. Obviously we're going to jerk off Luca a little bit. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, obviously it starts and ends with Luca. You know, they got the ownership cube and everything. Um, but I think they gave the Clippers all they wanted. Um, oh, yeah. I remember I was listening to your podcast, and um, you were saying, and I don't know if, if you want to take this back or whatever, you were saying that Luca was the best player in the playoffs not named LeBron. Uh, you still feel that way? After that shot, I felt that way. He was doing some things that were crazy, man. And I thought after that shot, because it got to 2-2, um, like like we just talked about, Clippers were vulnerable. And yeah. I think Porzingis was still healthy. 
And I'm like, fuck, man, if if this is how he's going to play, I mean, like you just said, the two wings, defensive prowess, and I think he had like 37, 19, and 16, and then a 30-footer game winner. Um, I mean, yeah, I felt that way at the time. And, you know, at probably not now. I think Kawhi handled that business, and with Porzingis going down, that hurt them too. I still, um, I still want to say, though, that if Porzingis doesn't get hurt, then I it's think a they series. probably win that series. Yeah, I think both teams healthy, and, you know, I think he got knocked – I remember he got knocked out of a game for some bullshit tech, yeah, double-tech that, that situation. Yeah, double-tech, yep, that was bullshit yeah. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think that's a microcosm for just the next 10 years of the Mavericks. Like, what's up with Porzingis? What is Porzingis? Is Porzingis that guy? Like, is he Amari Stoudemire? You know, he has a few good years and then just can't quite get healthy and everybody keeps holding their breath waiting for it to happen and it just yeah. never does. Um, is I like he, that comparison. I like that Stoudemire You know comparison. what I'm saying? That like, could really be know. the version of Chris, like a worse version of his career because, I mean, Stoudemire really played at a high level, but he just, when it, he would get hurt. The or, injury started yeah. piling up, and then, mm-hmm. you know, he got that big contract in New York and yeah. never quite lived up to it. And I, I don't know, because, like, when, when Luca and when and when Porzingis, I mean, when they're firing on all cylinders, your jaw drops, and you're like, well, this is the next five years of the NBA right fucking here. Yeah. Like, right here. Yeah. Like, right here. Like, like it, but then it's just, it's, like, can he get right? Like, I mean, it's just, he's 7-3, like, there's a certain when you're seven three, I do believe that it like sacrifices the integrity, you know what I'm saying, of the yeah. structure of like your ligaments and joints. Like the history of seven three guys with long, healthy careers is is, is pretty goddamn short. Yeah. Like so, but man, goddamn it, when they're together, they're the perfect player. Like like the perfect pair. Yeah, like, compliment. If you could create a uh, my player to go alongside Luca, it would be Porzingis. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and even their roster, like, I think the rest of those guys kind of overachieved a little bit in that series. But even like, okay, Seth Curry, he, I think he led the league in three-point percentage this season. And he, he had some big games. I think he's overachieving. I think he's a baller. I think you're right. I think, I think I rescind what I said. I think some of those guys are just better than we think. And well, they got hoopers. Like, even like Jalen Brunson can hoop. Yeah. He was like in the running for rookie of the year a few years back. Um, yeah. Jalen Brunson can hoop. Um, they, I don't know. They don't have the deepest bench. And they, that, that Powell guy yeah. got hurt. That did, that hurt their bench. That a killed lot. them. Yeah. He yeah, was like he their was roller dunker spot. Yeah. That's yeah, so it, true. And I fuck with three. Boban. I fuck with Boban. Boban gets helpful <laughs> minutes. Obviously, yeah. you know, there's a lot of times when he's not playable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Against smaller teams and three shooting teams and things of that nature. But yeah. Boban's a good player to have off the bench at a low price for sure, for sure. Um, so the other name besides Miami that I keep hearing for Giannis is, Del- uh, is Dallas. And I got I to gotta be real, that makes me tingle a little bit. I The thought of Giannis, because he, he doesn't – then it's clear cut. Luka brings the ball up court. They have a spot-up shooter somewhere. Porzingis is a great shooter and can and plays the five. And then Giannis is just slashing and, 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 and rim running and playing defense and running transition. And he all those flaws in his game get erased because they have shooters around him. They have ball handlers. And he can just, just physically dominate and run wild like a freaking gazelle. Man, that – 
in a perfect world, I think that would be the most ideal opportunity for. If I'm uh, honest, I'm hitting up Cuban. Yeah, I think that'd be dope. I think they would be really great compliments for every reason you just said. And Porzingis' contract is probably pretty close to being up there in terms of a trade trade piece because um, he hasn't signed the extension yet. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing him keep Porzingis though. Like yeah, the, I mean, if you can, like those three. I mean, that's betting a lot on his health, but that's a freakish three. Oh yeah. Who matches up with that? Nobody. Nobody. Like, nobody. like, and especially in five years, who matches up with that when LeBron's retired? Because right now, nobody. you know, Davis and LeBron can mm-hmm. kind of match up, but five years from now, whenever they're all like our age, yeah. like, and they're all the baby. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Giannis yeah. is a little older, but but yeah, in five years, Luca will be probably literally my age. I think he's 21. I'm 26. Yeah. Like, so, you know what I'm saying? Who's guarding that in five years? I don't Nobody. know. I would I would love to see that. Not necessarily that, that I would love to see it on the Mavericks, just those players. Like the jersey, yeah. the name on the chest is almost irrelevant at that point. Just seeing those guys together, I think would be really fun. It would be awesome. Um, all right, let's talk a little nugs. And, 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 you know, not my other hobby. I'm talking hoops here. We're talking um, – <laughs> so I'm caught on this teeter-totter here with the Nuggets of do they need to develop more or do they need just more talent on the roster? Like, is it a time thing? Do they just need to let it let it steep a little bit or, um, you know, let it cook a little bit? Um, do they have the ingredients or, or they still need to make a trip to the grocery store? You know, what, 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 what you think in Endeavor? Man, it's so unique. Their roster is so atypical in the NBA for a lot of yeah. ways you were talking about because they have, they've drafted so well. Um, almost every guy on their roster is a draft guy, except I think for maybe Paul Millsap in terms of guys they've drafted um, and developed. You know, you take into account just off the top, Murray um, and Jokic, and then also Michael Porter. And then on the yep. bench, you've got, you know, Gary Harris and even the young, young guys like Bull Bull. Bull Bull in the future. Yeah. I think in the future, not this year. No, no, but, no, no. But three years from now, he could be a player. So the thing you have to ask yourself is like, okay, if they lose tonight, does that change the way you feel about it if they win tonight um, in terms of I what they do? I no because they're so young and because they're all drafted. Like yeah. none of these guys are free agents you brought to town on win now mode. The That's only one is Jeremy so Grant. Unique. Yeah, Jeremy Grant's the only one, and they Jeremy. got him for a late first rounder with, with OKC, which I thought was a good trade for 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 Denver. I think OKC could use. He, he them. drives me nuts when I watch Denver though, because yeah, the teams can just force him to shoot threes all day. We double off of him. We yep. start the rotation off of Grant, just like teams did with Dort against OKC. Yeah, it all it all starts the rotation starts off of him, so the ball works its way back to him. And, and that's what drove me nuts when he played for OKC. I mean, if Grant could shoot not even 40, if he could shoot 33% from three, I mean, he'd be a 25-mil-a-year player. His defense and energy and literally everything else is phenomenal. Yeah. His rebounding, his offensive rebounding, he gets steals, he gets blocks. I mean, he he's, he does a lot. But just team – He can't he's shoot. The, he's, he cannot shoot. He's a liability. That's a good point, man. I think – if it were me, if they were asked, if you were asking me as a general manager, what I would say is I would I would continue to develop because yeah, Michael I, Porter, I yeah, Michael He's Porter is coming. right now. You've got two all stars 
and Jokic was the first team all NBA. And I don't know if Murray's ceiling is that high. I mean, we saw it in that series with Utah, how he could really get going. I, I don't know but how I feel about Murray, man. I don't know. He He's a little bit inconsistent for me still right now. Um, I would put him right there around Donovan Mitchell, though, because – well, maybe not. I think D, D. Mitch is a little bit better defender because Murray doesn't defend very well. But he is a guy do. that goes can go for 40. He can. Yeah, he can. Or 50. Uh, yeah. So I think I know your answer based off your just previous answers. But it seems to me like there's this unique scenario where nobody knows is Jokic the one, is Murray the one. Mm-hmm. And usually, like with Russ and KD, it's like two guys that want it, right? But sure. I feel like with Denver, it's the opposite. They're two betas. Like, they both want to defer, kind of. And, and maybe Michael Porter's that alpha, maybe, if one day. But that's what seems to be so unique to me. Because we've seen this before where we don't know who's the alpha, but mm-hmm. it's, it's because there's two alphas. Yeah. I don't remember a scenario with two betas, like, kind of both deferring – like, who's the – who's the? I mean, I guess they're trying to do the 1 and 1A one thing, but, like, it sounds to me like you would lean Jokic as the 1, Murray as the as the 2, but I don't know. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. Man, you, that, it's something I really hadn't thought about, Dom. That's a really good question. Um, if it were me, it, if you're just asking me who the best player yeah. is, it's Jokic for sure. Um, I really like don't if you're even a GM know. The Nuggets. Yeah, definitely. Jokic's okay. value. In fact, I don't know if there's a center that I would even value more – than him right now, except okay. if you're if you're including Giannis Antetokounmpo. But other than over that, Embiid, you're taking Jokic over Embiid. Oh yeah, yes, yes. nice, nice. I like that take for, for like so that many take. reasons. For so yeah, many for reasons. so many reasons. No, I get um, it. I get it. I like that. But there's a lot of people that want it because he's taller and faster and all yeah. that. But yeah, I, I I I like that. I like that take. I really do. Yeah, I like Jokic um, way more. Um, you, I, you you build on yeah. I just don't. I think that they're trying to kind of force a square peg in a round hole with Murray. Like, I think that the Denver's front office is like, oh, this is a guard-driven league, Mm -hmm. and he's our star guard. Therefore, let's build around Murray. But I feel like the right strategy is kind of zig while everybody else is zagging and, and, um, you know, build around Jokic. I think I kind of agree with you on that. But I think – that the front office may be disagreeing with us. I think that they kind of want Murray to be the one just because of the simple fact he's a guard mm-hmm. and it's a guard-driven league, I guess you could say. I don't know. That's the vibes I get. I don't know shit, but I don't know. I know what you're saying. I think I think if, if they're smart, then they need to focus around uh, Jokic because okay. – and I think on top of that, with Jamal Murray, I think he's a really good compliment in the way that you just you explained because I think Beta may be almost too strong. I think they're just really good compliments. I think Jamal Murray knows I like get okay, Beta vibes, bro. Like I don't know. From don't him, get... from him, yes, from him more so than Jokic. I know what you're saying, but he also like he straight up flopped him out in that Utah series, dropping 50 spots yeah. like three games in a row in order to win. And Jokic no, that was dominated by Gobert. Gobert. Yeah, no, so, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, maybe I'm hating. Maybe I'm hating. I don't know. But, you're, no, you, your point is valid. Your point is so valid because so many – so often now, like, we try to create a narrative in that yeah. if, if there's two really good guys, 
why who has to be the alpha think about think about uh the celtics that's not a conversation that's even started yet with tatum and brown really See, but, but i think it's because it's obvious i think tatum's much better than brown maybe you're right and i think probably but, so but, but with Jokic and murray are neck and neck like and neither mm-hmm. one of them is like 98 overall like they're both like 89 90 overall if we're talking like 2k you know what i'm saying yeah like, like, oh yeah like they're, they're both just right there like yeah. which one's better I don't know. it's interesting it's fun um i don't think we've actually straight up said though who's who's taking it nuggets, nuggets or clippers oh this is something i've gone back and forth on so many times right so many it's times a, but like what nuggets team shows up right yeah and who shows up for the clippers outside of Kawhi? because you know you know he's going to show up, but, like, this is a classic fucking moment where Paul George shows up and goes, like, 2 of 13 for 12 <laughs> points, and they lose by double digits. Like, that is, like, a per- – this is a perfect scenario. But – And it's just, like, a Clippers, like – like, the Clippers have, like, a weird culture about them where are the Clippers going to Clipper? Like, yeah. are they going to – and then – but it's not like Nuggets have this great culture either. They're super yeah. wishy-washy, too. It's like – it's like the two flaky friends that make plans with each other. Like, will either one of them show up? Like, yeah. like, like, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's so true. I, I, for me, honestly, at this point, I don't, I don't think any outcome would surprise me. Um, but I think based on gun to your head, gun to yeah, your head. Yeah, I'm taking the Clippers because Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the series. More bankable, more yeah. bankable. I, yeah. I think so too. But it's like. I'm, if I'm a better, I'm not touching this one with the tail. Hell no. Yeah. Hell no. Yo, anything could happen. Anything yeah. could happen for sure, man. Sure. And then I just got one last and final topic for you. And it, it's actually kind of an interesting one. Um, rockets, brother. Um, the Enigma, Ooh, yeah. the fucking science experiment, the goddamn compost heap that is the Rockets, which is where people throw shit against the wall and see if it sticks. And it sticks for a certain amount of time and then falls on your foot. Oh, um, man. Smoldering crater is what it is, man. It's the Rockets. Uh, it's over. I'll say that. Dan Tony basically said, yeah, I'm out of here, man. Yeah, Before that's you guys can fire me. Yeah, I'm going to go and just he move quit. on. He yeah. quit. But they treated him like shit, man. And, like, for what the cards they dealt him and, like, basically when they doubled down and – traded Capella and got Covington. I, I can't even imagine like being in that situation and being like, so we're really not going to have a guy that is over six, five on this fucking roster. Like, yeah. So on top of that too, like legacy wise, Harden did what Harden has been doing his entire career, which is, you know, be a ball it dominant is. player. And then when you get to the playoffs, like totally shy away, you know what I mean? When it matters most, um, the most shocking thing to me about that series with the Lakers was Russ. And I know he missed a lot of time with being sick and COVID and like that definitely seems to have affected him, but there wasn't a guy on that, on that uh, Lakers team that should have been able to keep up with him. And if, I mean, he was just, he struggled. And I think the thing with him is always going to be is the mental part, the mental aspect. It's like he gets overworked in his head and like, it just controls his game. Yeah, man, Westbrook, man, that's another one how on Adams. Like, there was a point in time where I would have literally killed for Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, oh, yeah. And now it's like I'm out on both of them. Like, I'm out I'm out on Westbrook. I mean, not as, like, a man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like, not as, like, a man, but just as, like, a basketball player, I'm out. I And, and the rumors keep saying he's going to get traded to the Knicks. 
And quite frankly, I can't believe I'm finding myself saying these words because there's a point I would have freaking, you know what I'm saying, give Russ a hand job if he told me nobody wouldn't tell nobody. But like, uh, <laughs> like man, fucking, uh, I think that him and the Knicks deserve each other. They are a perfect. They fit, deserve baby. each other, they and do. I and I they can't do. believe that I'm saying these words, and it feels like blasphemous, and I feel like a little dirty saying it, but like, uh, yeah. At this point, Russ and the Knicks deserve each other. He can go just put on dunk fest and highlight fest and empty stat fest in front of, you know, 12,000 in Madison Square Garden of, like, old Knicks fans, you know, that smell like tobacco and fucking still read Playboy mags. (laughs) And, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, talking Uh, about the glory days and and just – Jesus. Yeah. I I, I don't know. I – it, it's fit. a disaster. It's a disaster. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful disaster. Um, yeah, I think that the Rockets. I think the Rockets' fatal flaw is that they they were always chasing the Warriors and trying to copycat the Warriors, but they had lied to themselves and told themselves that they were innovating when they weren't innovating. They nah. were like how how China doesn't develop technology; they just steal it from whoever does develop it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like that was the Rockets. Like. But they were trying to pat themselves on the back as these groundbreakers whenever they were really just like riding the wake of a Golden State Warriors, in my opinion. Totally. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. And for whatever reason, I know that they're they're really the analytics leaders of the NBA. Daryl Morey, uh, to his credit, like has lived and died by that approach. And but for me, the closest they ever got was with Chris Paul. And yeah. in that series, he, he, he is the antithesis of, of that exactly free and, and layup strategy. Exactly. And, you know, he was something that was similar in the way that like Jimmy Butler didn't really fit with Minnesota is like these clashing of cultures that didn't fit. And Chris Paul knew he was like, look, I want to win. Yeah. Win today. And like, I need guys around me that are going to commit to that no matter what. And I don't know if Harden is necessarily that guy. In the long term, there's no, no doubt he's dedicated to his craft. You, I will never question that. There's there, the statistics prove that. But but I think Harden thinks he has time, and Chris Paul's like, dog, I gotta win. Yeah. yesterday. Yeah, exactly. And so I think, although they beat Oklahoma City this season in the in the playoffs, that trade was so important and telling in the way that they lost, ultimately lost to the Lakers because. I mean, you saw the difference in culture this season between those two teams as well. And I think yeah. that in a perfect world, if they could have made it work with Chris Paul and really bought in on that instead of feeling like they needed to help out James Harden by signing Russ or trading for Russ, I think that they're in a little bit better situation. But by the time they had doubled down, it was too late. And I think Dan Tony, I mean, the rumors have been out there since the beginning of the year that he was done. So I think I they think... just like made too <laughs> many desperation moves. Like, yeah. That's what I think the Nuggets need to avoid is like just yes. chasing the dragon, like just let it let it steep, let it simmer a little bit, you know, see what you can come up with. Um, yeah, man, I feel you. Yeah, it seems like the end of an era in Houston. Like they swung for the fences and missed. Who knows though? Because I think they've traded away all their draft picks. Who knows where they're at? I think it's a shit show moving forward. Um, Me too. Me too. I mean, That's I a good. It's a benefit for OKC. Yeah, and I, I would be shocked if, if Harden finished his career there, honestly. 
Me too. I mean, because if you think about it, he's young enough to where after this contract's over, even in five years, I think he'll still have another year contract in him. So yeah. I don't think he'll finish his career there. I think Russ is, yeah, maybe he ends up in New York and they can just fucking be a shit show. And and I don't know, him and Kevin Knox can both just have like a missed three contest or something. That's, but, a, that's uh, an interesting roster. Say they trade him over there. I don't even know what they'd have to give up um, to get him. I feel but, like not much because of his contract. I mean, they'd have to send money back, but it'd probably be some bullshit contracts. Or I yeah, don't know. some BS contracts. But, like, just hypothetical, I mean, you probably may be wishing one of these guys, but, like, Mitchell Robinson and uh, R.J. Barrett and Russ, I don't – I mean, that in the East, who knows what that looks like. You know what, though, like, I would be worried about? Like I said, I feel dirty saying this. I've spent so many years defending Russ, but, like, I'm just out. Like – I'd be worried about like Russ contaminating RJ. Yeah. With, like a weird, like the, the opposite of what Chris Paul did to SGA. You know what I'm saying? Like a residual yeah. effect of just yeah. like, and then you combine that with the already cesspool Knicks culture. And yeah. I just think that's, oh, I mean, maybe not. Like maybe I'm being too harsh on Russ. Like I don't know. Maybe I've listened to too much Sports Center, but I just. <laughs> I, it's getting really, really hard to be in that guy's corner, man. I spent the past decade fucking yeah. heels dug in saying yeah. that he's not this and not that, and he's kind of made me look like a fucking idiot most of the time. Yeah. Um, you That's know what I'm truth, saying? Um, one last question for you, bro. Did, what's, your, what's your thoughts of, like, Harden's, like, ramped-up defense in the playoffs? Do you think that was a, a narrative? Do you think that was real? Do you think that – carries forward in his career what what's up with that um i don't think it's something that that continues consistently in his career uh i think that he knows what he is now i think he's kind of established that he's the best isolation basketball player in the nba and i think the way d'antoni's teams have always been they don't play a lot of defense now if they bring in a different coach that's really hard-nosed um, we'll see. It, it could be a trade, a forced trade, or something like that. Because I really don't think he's going to change his ways um, at all. Really, I think the, the thing that's frustrating about the NBA is you see guys that clearly have the ability. Russ is another one, especially during his time in Oklahoma City. It's like they put so much effort in on the offensive side. It's it, it feels like they almost don't have enough in the tank for defense. Like they're they're saving energy. But for me, like, look, I'm not an athlete of that caliber, so I don't know what it's like. But, like, Mike and Scotty weren't doing that. You know what I mean? Like, these guys yeah. in the past weren't – now, the game was slower. You could slow it way, way down. You know, they're averaging yeah. in the 80s and 90s. and Nowadays, it's almost in the 120s. I get that. But Russ and, and Harden are kind of two of the guys where it's like, dude, you guys are supreme athletes. And especially Harden, his length, his arm length is so long and his hands are so big. It's just kind of like, how are you not serviceable? on defense. You know what I mean? Like just not just some... great though. In the, yeah. uh, well, I don't want to say great. Maybe it's he just made some big the plays. bar was set so low that he made a few defensive plays and everybody's shocked, but no, I feel you, man. I definitely just wanted to kick the tires on the yeah, whole no, I, defense. Man. I, it's, but, uh, it's, it's gotten better. I'll say that. It's not like a laughing stock anymore, but I think some of that has to do with him being shamed on the fucking internet. Yeah. Right. Like trolled into playing defense. Man. Yeah. Dude, not a good place to on be. on Twitter doing, doing the good work, man. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, right. Man, dude, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Man, I want everybody awesome. to support your podcast today in the NBA on Spotify, on Apple, on, um, 
everywhere, right? On 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 um SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Yes, sir. But yeah, man. Listen to today in the NBA for the NBA content. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Um, having a little bit of trouble with the app that I use to edit my videos right now, so I've been having a little trouble getting them to YouTube, but that'll clear up here shortly. But everybody, go subscribe to Dreadful Talk on YouTube. Yes, and, sir. Um, Dreadful Talk. Up. Yep. I thank you so much, Patrick, bro. You're the homie, man. I really yeah. appreciate it, man. No problem, man. It was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks and so much, uh, man. look forward to it next time. Yeah, much success, brother. You the man. You too.